Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 100th episode of the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. Let's go. And for a first time ever, almost two years now, we're all together. How about that? No Zoom. It's weird. I'm not we're not lie. looking at you guys on a computer screen. I'm looking. Very weird. I'm looking right into your eyes, my client. <laughs> right into Let's your eyes. Go. Um, yeah, this is episode 100. We are in Orlando, Florida, you know, at the beautiful Vista K Resort and our Airbnb that's decorated like a 90s porn set. Yep. 100%. Feel right at home. And so, yeah, here we are. We're on the, the eve of the PGA Merchandise Show. Let's go. And uh, E9 will be taking over the show tomorrow. We're playing a little golf the next couple of days. So look out on our Instagram for uh, a few videos that we'll be putting out. But yeah, boys, welcome to Orlando. It's good to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight, boys. I'm this is, this uh, pretty excited to have all of us in the same room for the first time ever. It's uh, definitely a unique situation. I'm not even sure how to respond. Like It feels <laughs> awkward. Like I'm looking at you it, two. Who's going to talk first? But it's really awkward because Jay's terminally got a camera in our faces recording this. <laughs> We've got to document this history. Right? Oh, it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm going to document. No one will see it, but yeah. it's not as documented. Yeah, we have it. It's a personal just, documentation. You just wait. <laughs> um, yeah. Jay, how are you? I'm good, bro. Good. Um, got us a nice, nice bottle tonight. Yeah, what are we We're drinking? Are we what are we owner? drinking? Hang, Jay? On, hang on, this is my segment. Oh. Gentlemen, gentlemen, what <laughs> are we drinking tonight? Jay, let's start with you. Pinky's up, baby. Pinky's up. We that's a hat. That's a hat or a t shirt. 100%. 100%. 100%. So we, we went to a local liquor store, uh, right by a Publix. Unfortunately, this Publix did not, not have yeah. their Publix own. Store. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to enjoy the grocery store down. liquor store combo. Yeah, I, I promise you, I will take you guys oh, before okay. you leave. But we, we, we popped into a, a liquor store right across the street and they had a Nickers US One uh, American whiskey. Uh, this is, I'll let the other guys comment. Oh, this man. is really, Look, really good my, news. And we, don't, we can't get it. We can't get it readily in, in Virginia. So I just walked up. They had six bottles on the, on the shelf. And I should have bought all six. Bought all six. And then my, just shipped them back to the house, which I can't do. My big problem is that I still have a Corona light and also have a bourbon. These boys have me drinking bourbon. Um, we are here all together. And, you know, when you're here, when you're when in Rome, you know, get in where you fit in. That's right. You know? Yeah. I, I get it. I get I got three drinks going. I got a water, I got a pretty fresh high noon, and a bourbon. So I'm I'm ready to go. So I'm the most responsible. Nothing like a watermelon high noon and a bourbon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, depends on how dumb your takes are, and I'll reach for one of them. <laughs> so um, yeah, so Jay just flew in today um, from Richmond. I got to Florida yesterday. I played a little golf this morning. Shout out to Stan Lambert, big listener of the podcast. Great he was guy. nice enough to have me uh, at Old Palm down in Palm Beach Gardens for their pro member. Really nice spot. And we're not going to talk about the golf. Uh, Stan and I are pretty pissed off about it. <laughs> when did you get Stan for uh, a live call in here to talk more about the golf? No, I think he's he. he I hopefully his wife took his his shoelaces and belt away from him. <laughs> I think he was in a worse place than me because I'm used to gagging in tournaments. Um, <laughs> You were playing well for most of the day. We were playing well. Um, you really messed up your invite back. I did. I really did. Um, I saw I was trying to kind of recruit some other members while I was there to see if they'll That's have me fair. next year. But yeah, we were, we started off great, and then the wheels just fell off the last few holes, and uh, we did not place. But uh, thank you to Stan Lambert. Old Palm Golf Club was just spectacular, and I tried to flick off Greg Norman. He was not in his backyard. 
Greg lives on the 14th tee at Old Palm. And if I knew that going into it, I would have brought a carton of eggs with me. <laughs> but I'm I did surprised it. you didn't go piss in his yard on a tree and, like, mark your spot. Well, the thing is, like, we're pulling up, and, like, right there, it was, like, 30 yards away, there was a – I'm assuming his wife and some other ladies just sitting there, like, having lunch. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, I'm not going to do anything inappropriate. So <laughs> – I thought I would anyways. So it, yeah, it doesn't sound like you. So his wife was there. I'm assuming that's who it was. There was three ladies sitting down at the table. I mean, that was your on opportunity, the patio. dude, to actually make a move. Yeah. And like make some real just like hey, where's some where, real havoc? Where's disrupt, Greg? Man. Where's Greg? Disrupt. Let's talk. Yeah. You want to be a disruptor? I can disrupt too, motherfucker. <laughs> Try to pull her out of there. Yeah. You don't need all that money, I promise you. Yeah. You love a golf pro salary. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You seen my car? It's a nice 2010 Highlander with 215,000. If on you it. get divorced car. and get a good payment out of this, we will live happily, <laughs> happily ever after. No offense, Lindy. We love you. Also saw Elon Nordegren's house, Charlie, or I should say Charlie Woods's house, yeah. uh, where he lives part time with his mother, Elon Nordegren. He lives in there too. So, anyways, great time. Started off great, played like shit uh, coming in. So, and now we're here. We picked Jay up. McLean picked me up. We drove up the turnpike, and here we are together. Kind of crazy that it's been two years. I, I think know. it's I'll... two years Thursday will be the official day really? that we started. Well, I was just telling McCoy. Uh... <laughs> Who? I'm well, sorry. So it's Who? been two years on episode. I just called you McCoy. I am the real McCoy. <laughs> I called you McCoy. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I'm that, the real McCoy. That should be your new name. I do like that. Real McCoy. Pinky's up. Let's yeah. go. Um, I was telling McLean, I almost said it again. Um, <laughs> that we haven't hung out since we started no, in no, person. We haven't in person. That's it's been a long that's time. Terrible. I mean, we see each other every, almost every single week yep. for at least two hours. Well, and that's that's what we talked about. It's like picking Jay up at the airport. It's like, hey, what's up? But it's not even like a big deal because we're we talk so often. Yeah, and yeah. see each you other. Forget that you know. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how tall the motherfucker was. <laughs> God damn it. Where do you kick your ass in golf tomorrow? So, That's inevitable. I need, we'll, like, we'll I need nine aside. <laughs> um, so yeah, what what do you guys make of 100 episodes? It's been a it's been an absolute blast. The best part about it is probably uh, our friendship and how that's grown over these 100 episodes. Uh, it's been awesome to do this with you guys, and at the end of the day, it's uh, it's made lifelong friendships that I'll forever be grateful for. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's not like. We all just kind of had an idea and we did it and it's two years in and we're still having a great time with it. Yeah. And, you know, we're doing this as a hobby. We're not trying to make this our, our livelihood. We could, we could probably be doing a way better job of trying to make some money yeah. and monetize this, but maybe um, we should, I mean, we probably I, should. I don't know. Um, I don't know. If we you were smart, know. we would, we know. would do that. <laughs> if um, we had more time, we would do it. We're all busy. We all have real jobs. We all run amok uh, seven days a week. It seems like we all have kids. Um, but it's a good release. But you know? I, my my hopes is that in the future we'll be able to uh, you know take this to the next level. But even if we don't, uh, it's all been worth it. You know, to create lifelong friendships with you guys is uh, it's been probably the best thing to take away. Yeah, from. it's yeah. awesome. We're all golf sickos, and so it gives us a good excuse every week to drink and, and, and talk and golf. It's you know for me, it's kept me kind of in in involved with golf. You know, in a sense because you know when I you know. Stop playing five years ago. It got to the point where my my wife wouldn't even turn the if, if golf was on, she was out. Like she wouldn't, I wouldn't see her. She'd leave, or she she had wanted nothing to do with it. It's just bitter taste in her mouth. And I mean, I was I still had a lot of friends that were playing. I wanted to see how they did, so I was still kind of watching it a little bit. But you know, now it's like, hey, we got a pod next week. I need to 
pay attention. I need to see what's going on. I need to go to the TV on, at least check the scores, read the yeah. articles, see what's going on. Yeah, minimal and watch it, golf central. Yeah. It's like, at least keeps me involved because I'm, you know, we all spent, you know, almost our entire lives playing golf in some shape or fashion, some shape, form or fashion. So it's like, we, you know, it's good to stay involved with it. And I mean, it's been fun and it's good for, for me and my boys too, to get them back into it. Cause honestly, I don't, if I weren't, if I were not in golf as much as I am now, I'll, who knows if I would be, you know, working with them as much. I probably, Hey, you don't want to do that. Stay as far away from that game as you can. But I mean, I don't think so. I mean, that I, game I, sucks. can we show you baseball? Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, being out there with him, it, it reminds me of the times that I was out there with my dad and thinking like, Hey man, I got four hours with my dad. Yeah. You know, there's no other sport that I can play that I can get my dad, a, a, just us two for that long. I mean, if I tried to take him out to play basketball, it was like 20 minutes max. You but, know, but and and at the same time, Jay, I will say is that you don't realize that until you get a little bit older. You yeah, know, you take for granted that sure. amount of time you yeah. had. You know, I lost yeah. my father at a you know, young age when he was uh, in 2011. He passed away at 54, and I look back now on some of the golf moments that we had, some of my absolute fondest memories. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't realize that because yeah. you take for granted how much time you sure. have with someone, and obviously the world life can take that from you quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day. You know, you're exactly right. And it is one of those things that once once you get older, you really learn to appreciate that yeah. a lot more. I mean, there's like I said, and you, and you know, we all know this because we all have great relationship, gracious little relationships with our fathers. And that's what got us into the game. But like I said, the, the, there's not a whole lot of other things that you can do with your with your father or or it could be mother, too, or your 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 parent where you can spend could that be much, a role model yeah that that much time with somebody which is like you said you can't get those that time back and you know even if it's just casual conversation in between holes you know but again you you wouldn't have that much conversation if you're at the house you know you'd be doing chores or somebody yeah. watching well, tv or we, watching a game you know so we talk about golf all the time and mm -hmm. at the end of the day i think we all agree that when you spend four hours with someone on a golf course um you get to know them pretty quick. You get yeah. to know that person. You learn a lot about them. Their character is going to going to be shown at some point mm -hmm. through good shots, bad shots, mm -hmm. what type of person they are. And you can learn a lot a lot about a person in four hours on the golf course with mm -hmm. them. Um, and of course, you know, we all had the benefit of you know playing with our family members, our fathers, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And uh, you know, I think as a kid, you definitely take a lot of that for granted. But as oh, yeah. you get a little bit older, you start to realize how important that time was and yeah. how, how important learning new people on the golf course yeah. is. You know, yeah. It may not have been my best way of phrasing that, but at the end of the day, you know, when you spend four hours out there with someone, like I said, you, you see a lot of their character, you see how they handle different situations, bad situations, good situations. And as we all know, that translates into real life and you can yeah. learn, you can, you just can learn a lot about a person in a, in a simple round of golf. Yeah. And even in the, um, I know we, we want to move on, but um, just for, for the, from the playing side of things, like the pro-ams, I mean, 15 years of doing pro-ams over and over and over. And there were so many guys that were like, I'm not doing the pro-am. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I need my time. I need to do my thing. And I'm like, hey, guys, like the reason that you're you're even playing professional golf is because these guys are fund helping it. pay for it. And it. they want to get a piece. Like you can't yeah. have your cake and eat it, too. You want to be a professional. You want to be play for a lot of money. Some people want the money. Some people like the, the fame. You can't have both of those without doing your, you know, it's like your dirty work. Yeah. You know, you've got to mm -hmm. be able to spend time with these people and get to know them. And I've met so many great people. I got to the point in the first couple of years, I was kind of that way. 
And then after I started playing with these people, um, you know, week in and week out, you, you meet so many people and so many interesting, uh, you know, lives and jobs and different parts of the country, different, different, different countries all in general. Um, but you get to really meet people and like that was, that ended up being the most fun part of other than, you know, the actual tournament of the week. It's like, man, I get to go out there four hours. I get paid to go do the program. In most cases, I'm getting a practice round and I'm getting to see the course and I'm, you know, having a good time hanging out with people, you know, hearing about them and what, what their lives are in that specific region. I was like, this is, I'm doing my part as a professional, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving back like, and I know it sounds terrible, but like, Hey, these are the people that are paying, mm -hmm. paying my purse. Yeah. It's my job to give back and give them a piece of, of me, whether they know me or not, whether I've ha I'm having a good season or not. Well, and a lot of great relationships, especially when it comes to funding for you know your lower yeah. end professionals yeah. um, that may not have you know the massive contracts that are helping fund mm -hmm. their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You can, if you are good in pro am, you can meet some guys that have some discretionary income oh, that yeah. are willing to help you out and willing to help you get to that next step oh yeah and i mean I, that's massive and a lot yes. of people take that for granted and look at it as a chore but honestly it's it's the biggest networking opportunity you can oh, have because you have huge. incredibly successful people for the most part playing in these pro-ams and if golf doesn't work out you may get a job with them because mm -hmm. you played and had a good time and with you them were today. you were fun and, and if, you weren't an asshole that's exactly right yeah. and even beyond that you may get a guy that says hey what's your What's your expenses like next year? I want to help chip in. Sure. Yeah, they can help be, out in some form. They can massively help out. And it could be on a small scale. It could also be on a large scale. But whatever it is, the fact that you took that time to approach that situation correctly and approach it as something that, hey, let's go have some fun. Let's 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 uh, let me get, let me get your money's worth out of this pro am. Let's have a good time. Let's meet each other. Let's learn each other's life stories. Let's figure out a way to you know find some commonalities. And you know if it works, and you know we hit it off. There's a lot that can come from yeah. that. I mean, there's a ton of tour pros out there that have these great relationship with guys that they played with in a pro-am. And you, you see a lot of guys out there that they get the same pro every year because they have that relationship. Mm -hmm. And they the guys look forward to that on both sides. And, and it may be a guy that's helping them out that yeah. we don't even know about. But sure. that that's where a lot of it comes from. And a lot of these guys that have these sponsors on their shirts that we see, especially your middle tier and lower tier guys, they met him at a pro am. That's how they got that that logo on their uh, their left sleeve for twenty five or fifty thousand mm dollars -hmm. or whatever that looks like. And to to a guy that's mid level to low level, that's massive. massive. That's huge when it comes yeah. to expenses, when it comes yeah. to airfare, hotels, eating and drinking, the whole night. And the and the 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 uh, the ams and these pro ams, they don't even care really where where you are on the money list. I mean, they don't, they, they just so want to play. With they just want to play with a, with a professional that is a good player. And they want to see you hit the shots. They, they want to get, hit, they, they see get impressed the and they get wowed by the shots. Yeah. Well, they well, don't, they don't care. I mean, granted now, if you're, you know, playing a pro-am with, you know, Rory or Justin Thomas or, you know, John Rahm or, or any of these top, obviously that's, sure. that's a, that's a thrill. But if you're playing with a, a Will Gordon or, or me, you know, the, I mean, granted, I'm not comparing myself to Will Gordon, but, He's not a household name. They, they, most of these guys probably wouldn't know anyway. They don't care. I mean, I played in Tigers Pro Am three years, and these guys on uh, not on the Wednesday Pro Am, obviously, but on the Monday or Tuesday Pro Am. And the people that I play with, I mean, I'm talking, playing with entrepreneurs, C CEOs of companies, with the Quicken Loans up in DC. Yeah, yeah. And and they didn't they didn't care. I was like, hey, I'm you know I'm I'm not a member of the PJ Tour. I always tell them right up front. I was like, yeah. hey, I'm a local guy. I'm from Virginia. 
you know, they called me up. I've, I've been playing for however long. I've, and they you know, played, want did, you did, to do well. Yeah. And then it's all of a sudden you just be honest with them. They're like, oh, man, like, now we've got somebody. Now we're pulling for you. But you just yeah. never know what connections you're going to make doing that. And like I said, they don't. They're, most of the amateurs are so excited to play. It, you occasionally will catch the ultra competitor, uh, ultra competitive amateur who's like a scratch golfer playing in one of these. And they're like dead set on winning. Like, we've got to win this pro-am. I'd say one out of a hundred or mm, like that. Most sure. of the time, everyone wants to have a good time. They don't yeah. care. I mean, they want to play well, but they, they just want to play with good players and, well, and have a good, and a good person. Yeah. I'll never forget. And I will leave the pro nameless because this doesn't necessarily put him in a great light. And he's a very well-known, one of the top players, a former master's champion. Um, I was spectating at a program where the guy who's since my father passed away, basically like a second father to me for a long time. And he plays in the program at the Heritage every year. And we go out, and I'm obviously spectating, but this guy could have had no interest in being there at the program. He shot minimal 80 that day. It was it was not cool. But he had no fun with the guys, and it was awful to watch. And it, it sucked because these guys, mind you, had a program on the PGA Tour to play in the Wednesday Pro-Am, that's minimal 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. Minimal 10 grand to go pay. And you have four guys in your group that have paid 10 grand and you can't give them the fucking time of day. So just answer just, your questions it, and shoot the just, shit. But just to be a good guy, get yeah. your caddy in there, helping them read lines, yeah, do everything. I mean, they're, they're going to obviously tip your caddy out right because, mind you, if they're paying 10 grand to go play in one, one round of golf, money on they're going to they're gonna help you out. Yeah. Like They're going to tip well. They're going to do everything. And it's not that this – this tour caddy is not well off, but at the same time, an extra couple hundred bucks from yeah. each player yeah. still still helps out with expenses for the week because the caddy still has expenses that he has to cover at the same time. Sure. And to have watched this pro go around and just do the absolute minimum, it, it really kind of turned me off to him. Um, God, I really want to know who that, who that player was. But he'll tell us. I'll 100% tell you. Him. But long story short, it, it, <laughs> you're exactly right because it doesn't take that much. To go out there and just be a good guy with those guys. It doesn't matter how you play. They don't actually care. Well, you get a care. couple of good shots, they don't give a shit. If you are someone who you are, you associate with them and you make them feel like they belong as much as you do, Yeah, they have the absolute best time. They would do almost anything for you. Yeah. And most of them have a massive checkbook where they're like, buddy, we'd love to help out. Let me give you 50 grand. Let me give yeah. you 100 grand, whatever it is. I mean, that's, what, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. We have so many guys that don't approach that correctly and it baffles me. Not they maybe haven't had haven't had good mentors kind of getting up you know up the ranks and learning how to, to handle that because that's that's so they just get part. entitled they just get yeah entitled. Then, then, that's, that's the, the success gets to them but which is ridiculous but all right we gonna get into some golf we can we can talk a little G maybe I guess is this a golf podcast <laughs> I mean <laughs> sure thought we were gonna talk about the NFC and AFC championship games but. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be good games. They're gonna be good. They're very good games. You get four good teams. Yeah, I think the four best teams made it. But yeah, I know we want to move on. No, no, no. Yes, yeah. The four, four best, best teams, teams are in the in the, in the yeah, championship. I would agree with that. So, all right. You know who's playing some good golf? Fucking John Rom. John Rom oh, is playing some Christ. good golf. Um, wins the Amex. He's back to back in 2023. I think it's what four wins in his last six starts worldwide. Yeah. He hasn't been like outside of the top. Eight, maybe he had like a tied fourth and a tied eighth, and the other two that he didn't win. He's 50 something under par his last two events. He's playing some good golf, and I, I like to say, I told you so already. 
Told did, you. Did did you say that earlier? I mean, a few weeks ago, I told you he's going to go on a tear. He's on a mission. He's going to win the FedEx Cup this I year. I thought I said that. We'll go back in the record. I said that. <laughs> I'm just, you may have said it as well. I mean, I may have said it well. I mean, yes, he is. He is ready to go. Uh, just just throwing some crazy odds out there. Um, John Rom is plus four fifty to win the Farmers Insurance, which is that's low, really, really low. Um, and I, I just read an article that said that uh, he made a subjective statement saying that like he doesn't remember the odds being this low um, since Tiger. Uh, I think it was two thousand and five to win the uh, the Bay Hill Invitational, and it was minus one ten. Andy won minus one ten. Minus one ten. Well, that was one of the days they were actually taking Tiger or the field. It was exactly. Actually a so legit basically, bet. even money for Tiger or the field. You know, with the juice, with, with the 10, mm-hmm. 10%, it was even money for Tiger or the field. And he won. Yeah, I mean, most most of the time right now when you see a favorite for an event the last five, six years, if the guy's a big favorite, he's at plus 1,200, mm-hmm. plus 1,000 maybe. And it's, so it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's hard Tour. to win on the PGA Tour for him to be that big of a favorite. Now, granted, he loves Tory. He loves Tory. He plays well at Tory. He's won at Tory, but still, that is that's, some I mean, low odds. That is, I, I, that's I, I, I just, I thought it was incredible. I mean, that just goes to show how. I mean, look at the next closest guy who's been playing some great golf. I mean, actually, two guys: uh, Xander Shoffley plus eleven hundred, and Tony Fina, who's been playing obviously mm-hmm. really great golf in the last six months, plus eleven hundred. So it, they have, I mean, they're over double. You know. Odds, odds of, of, of John Rahm winning, and this, these are world class players. You yeah. know, he's. I mean, he's he is on a mission. His game, it's just. I mean, he has no weakness. Yeah, I mean, the stat that threw me, and I, I've tried looking it up, and I can't find it, and I, I wish I could because it's so incredible. But the two of the four stats, John Rahm is second only to Tiger, or four out of four stats, he's second to only Tiger in his through his first 150 events. And the two that I know for a fact is number of wins and number of top tens. There's two others that are equally as impressive that I wish I could find because I saw it earlier this week. But so the say, that again. That, say the first stat. So Tiger, and or I should say John Rom through 150 events, is only second in wins to Tiger and only second in top tens to Tiger. There's two other stats that I cannot remember, and I apologize. This is an awful – as a member of the media, this is my fault. <laughs> stat boy. At the end of the day, though, I will say I read these four stats, and I looked at it, and I was like, okay, this is even better than I thought it was. And we all know. we're None of us are ignorant of the fact that he's a yeah. he's a, an incredible golfer. He's been playing great golf for a long time, and ultimately he's done a lot with the sport since he's been a part of it. Through 150 events, I did not know how good he was until I saw these stats. Yeah. And he is way closer than anyone has ever been to the greatest. To, to, through 150 through, events. Through 150 events. He, how old is he, though? He, did he leave early uh, from Arizona State? I don't, I don't know that he did. He he's 28. Have. He did not. Okay. So, so through 150 events, he's 28. Tiger was 25. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we can, don't that's, quote me on that. I think it's pretty accurate. close. That's probably so accurate. three years ahead, and this this is right before Tiger. Here it is. I got the stat. Went All right. off. All right, hold on. I found it. So through 150 events as a pro, he has 18 wins, second on time to Tiger. 
Through 150 events as a pro, he has 38 top threes, second all-time to only Tiger. He has 54 top fives, second all-time to only Tiger. He has 81 top tens, second all-time to only Tiger. Through 150 events, he's had 81 that's, events in the top 10. That is over impressive. half. That's just impressive. by slightly, but still over half of his events, he fin finishes in the top 10. So those four stats, wins, top threes, top fives, and top tens, he's number two through 150 events only to Tiger Woods, the greatest modern player that's ever existed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, – and is that PJ Tour events or is that just events? So it's worldwide. It I says think. events as a pro. I okay. don't know that I think that 18 is. events is his worldwide wins. I don't think he has that, that many PGA yeah, Tour. That may, that may so if you said 150 events, let's just say Tiger. It played, does only played. say 150 events as a pro, but I don't think Rom spent any time on the Corn Ferry Tour. No, no, no. He no, doesn't. but that's an include DP World Tour. So yeah, I'm just trying. And to I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm so he's got nine and nine. He's got nine PGA Tour wins and nine European Tour wins. So I'm comparing this to Tiger. I mean, say on but average, the European Tiger Tour was, wins aren't like. Off field European tour events, like it's the. No, I mean, so the two he the two he won back in the fall were lesser events. Yeah, this the Spanish Open, and I forget what the other one was. Well, he the won Spanish two. Open's his national. His national. So he's he always going to play yeah. in that, and rightfully so. But that's still a good event. Yes, they weren't it's the deepest DP. Yeah, they weren't the deepest. They weren't the deepest, but they're not. They're not shitty events. Correct. A win's time. a win. In professional a win's golf. a win without question, and you got to give him credit for that and what he's done so far. And that, but that also equates to Tiger's worldwide wins. Now, we all know he won more on American soil, but he also won a lot on European soil early, as well. Early in his career. Oh, like I he said, was getting I mean, paid those I massive appearance fees. Trying to, to do some math play. here, but again, if it's 150 events, I think it's probably a two-year gap. So I, I would say, because John Rahm turned pro when he was 22, and Tiger turned pro when he was 20. So, And I'm, I'm assuming they probably played a similar schedule for, through the first five years of their probably. five or six probably, years of their yeah. career. So. Yeah. Let's just say Tiger was 26, so that would put that – what year would that be, 90 or 2002? So this is – I mean, this is when – in the mid-2000s, this is when Tiger went on the the crazy, crazy, crazy run. He was right, run. kind of right in the middle crazy where run. it was like from 2002, that's when he switched from – kind of migrated from Butch, but he was always already winning a lot. But even went with Haney, uh, I hate to say this. How he won. Um, but he won so many tournaments. And through 2010 or 2009, fall of 2009, when the, all the shit went down. I mean, that that's a that's nine or seven years of like Tiger versus the field. So yeah. like, yeah. here we are, John Rom. You're second to Tiger before he even hit his prime. Are you going to hit your prime now? And really try to solidify yourself as one of the, the best players of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, can he's he got to win, he's got to win more majors? Saying, I'm not saying pressure. he's got to win more majors. He's only got one major. Yeah, yeah. he's got. I mean, Tiger at that point, 2002, Tiger he, had more majors. He had the 97 100%. Masters, 99 uh, PGA. He had, then he won three in 2000. Won the 01 and Masters, and then he won the 01 Masters for the Tiger Slam, and then he won the 02. Uh, uh, he won the US Open, the US Open, and the Masters in 02, and he lost at the British Open. So he had. Eight majors by the time he was the same age as Look, as Rob. No one's trying to. No, no, I, I, I shouldn't say we're not trying to compare because we. That's exactly what we're doing. But at the same time, I don't know that you can. It's not fair. Well, no. It's not fair. Well, no, no, it it's is not. fair. No, I take that back. I take that back. It is fair. You know, through 150 events, Tiger won more majors. That's why Tiger is Tiger. However, at the same time, 
John Rahm is still an incredible player. Oh. He, he has not won as many majors. He has not done that without question. We can't we cannot negate that fact. But at the same time, when you just look at over 150 events, it's still very impressive what he's done. Major wins or not, it's yeah. very impressive. Mm-hmm. And the tear that he's on right now, I mean, any of us, as much as I'm not his biggest fan, I like the guy. I, I'm not his yeah. biggest fan. But at the same time, the guy is poised to win more. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he goes. And that, and that will be the determining factor of whether he's able to get into that upper echelon or not, right? How many majors can he win? Is he so, a guy that wins a lot of tour events and doesn't win a ton of majors? Or is he a guy – that goes in there and wins some of those majors really cements himself as one of the you know, greatest golfers of all time. Or does this become more one of those situations to where, you know, he's one of those guys that that's good in tour events. Does the pressure of majors get to him? We don't yeah. know yet. He's yeah, still yeah. very young. I mean, he's still fucking young. I don't care if he's 28 or not. That's, that's still young. Yeah. I mean, here's, I, I, here's you, a great stat. Yeah. With Ron versus tiger. So Ron this week at Tory has a chance to win three straight PJ Tour events that he's played. Obviously, he didn't play Sony. Since 1997, it's happened 18 times that a player has it's won. Tiger's is like 14 or 15. He has 14 of them. <laughs> it's happened 18 times a player winning three starts in a row. All right. who? 14 of them. Who are, are the two. other four? I'd say Rory. Is Rory one of those? Um. I don't have that information. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't tell you who the other ones are. Oh. No, it doesn't tell you who the other ones are. Shoot, I would say Rory would be. And a couple of those streaks Tiger had were seven wins in a row, yeah. six wins in a row, five wins in a row, and four wins in a row. That's he had twenty four opportunities to win three in a row, so he yes. won back to back twenty four times. That's incredible, and he did it fourteen. He's got a winning percentage of fifty eight point three percent to get three in a row. Gosh, that's crazy. that's just it's a whole nother level. I, you know, that's that's a funny conversation, you know, and I, I don't know if we want to dive down that rabbit hole right now, but you know, we've always seen the the next the next best thing. They had something that really separated them from from their predecessors, right? So you look at like I would I would look at Bobby Jones as being like the 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 trendsetter in the beginning, like in the early part of the 20th century, like he was just so poised, so accurate with his iron game. And he was long back then too, compared to everybody else. I think length is always going to be a factor. And then you move up to, you know, some, then I think of, of Ben Hogan, the way he dominated, he didn't really use his length, but just the, it was just so good with precision. the ball striking. The precision was precision on, on next, a next level. And then after that, it was Jack. He used a little bit of everything as the formulating. That, Jack that, was powerful. He was very powerful yeah, back yeah. then. But then he started, then he really talked about course management, right? And that was like, that was how Jack, I think, separated himself from everybody mm-hmm. else. Is just like well, the, think- the way he went about. He was one of the first guys to use a yardage book. Like no one else used one. He would draw, him and his caddy would draw their own yardage markers mm-hmm. and draw the draw each hole. Like he was the first guy to like invent the yardage book. No one even talks about that. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I, I'm giving the credit to Jack Nichols. There could have been another player doing it before him, but he was the first one that was that was any good that was yeah. doing it. Um, and then you go to the next best player, Tiger. You know, what did he do that separated himself? And it was obviously again, length is always there, but he matched length, he matched precision, he matched putting, the he touch. matched touch and then he had toughness all the the mental toughness that like 
I think all of those guys had the mental toughness given the stage, but he blended all of these Tiger things together. And he did everything so well. And I think the only downfall with him was the extracurricular activities. I think he got bored with being so good and he started doing other things. And then also the injuries. Other people. But my question is, what's the next player? I don't think it's John Rahm. I like John Rahm and he's a great player. It's not going to be John Rahm. It's probably not going to be anybody we, that's We playing. might not have seen that person yet. It may not even be born no, yet. We but who had. is it in, in terms of what is there? Like, can we predict the future in a sense? Like, what is that next player going to look like? Is it going to be somebody that's 6'8", that hits at 400 yards? Or is it going to be, does the game change? Do we do we roll the ball back? I can't predict what and I'm doing well, tomorrow, Jay. Well, I, I know, well, I'm just hypothetically <laughs> speaking. No, I know. What do we think it's going to be look like? So you made a great point. Jack Nicholas was one of the longest players of his time when he was at his prime, mm-hmm. right? He had the ability, because he was so long, to rein that in a little bit mm-hmm. and focus more on precision because distance wasn't his issue versus the field. Yeah. So that changed the game for him slightly because he didn't have to rely on distance as much as some other guys. Now, what you just said is it nailed it on the head. And Curtis said this on the podcast a long time ago. You know, we've been waiting for this massive physical specimen yeah. Yeah. that can do it all, that can match the distance with the short game. And we know it's going to happen, whether he's 6'1", 6'4", 6'8", 7'1". We don't know what that's going to look like yet. But we will have, because we've seen a lot of powerful players that may not be 6'8". They may still have 185, 190 ball speed. You know, Cameron Young is a good example of that, a guy that creates a ton of ball speed, but he's not 6'8". Rory is a good example of that, but Rory still at the same time, Rory's just so technologically sound, or technically sound, not technologically, technically sound, um, that his swing is so, so good. Efficient. I mean, he, he he's very efficient. But at the same time, Rory's not that demanding figure. You know, no. I, I do mm. think that he's we physically, will. You know, physically Tony Finau, fit, but not Tony Finau's close. He doesn't have the short game to match. But he, leaves, he leaves a lot close. in the tank. He leaves a lot in the tank. Oh, but that's on purpose. Yeah. That's my point. That's where yeah. I'm going with that. Similar to probably what Jack did. Back in the day when he realized, I, got, I don't need to do that. I don't need to hit a three. Back then, you can still yards. you can still cover the distances by being precise because he had that much speed. But if you if you look at the progression through the most dominant, I'd say the most dominant four players, and I know I'm leaving out a couple people, and people are going to argue with this. They're going to try to say Byron Nelson, and they're going to try to say Arnold Palmer. But Arnold Arnold Palmer was was a, a captivating figure not as much of a dominant figure on the golf course, mm-hmm. but everyone loved him. So he's popular. He's revered I, as a person. Yeah, exactly. And Byron Nelson, I love Byron Nelson, but I will say that um, I don't think – he won a lot of his tournaments during during the war. Yeah. That 11 – that 11 – that 11 – Not, uh, not taking anything Street. away from Nothing. Nelson. I mean, it's incredible. Not taking anything away from But I don't think we can push no. him – I don't think we can push him at the – he wasn't as dominant, in my opinion, as as you his, got the his, four right ones. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it was. I think it's it's uh, um, Ben Hogan up after uh, after Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. But if you look, and then and then obviously Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods. But if you look at their height, we talked about this. I know this. Is, I know we're just spitballing. Bobby Jones is like five seven, five eight. Uh, I mean, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. He was on the shorter side. Mike, we should have done a lot Ta- more with our height. Taller, taller than Gene Sarazen. Gene Sarazen was really short. But again, Bobby Jones, 5'7, five, 5'8. Five, ben Hogan, 5'9. Jack Nicholas, 5'10. Tiger Woods, 6'1. Like, and you see that progression. There is there's something to having that dominance with with your the physical physical 100%, skill set. So 100%. I mean, 
is the next guy six seven, or maybe the next guy's a, a, a guy honestly who's like a six four or six five that just can do it all, you know, and they have they have all the That's skills. It. That- yeah, eventually we have to we have to feel like we're gonna see someone on tour with two hundred mile an hour ball speed. Mm-hmm. That also has an incredible short game. You know, two hundred mile balls that keep it in play. And keep it in play. it in play, but also has a great short game. You know, technology is going to change to match well, it. It's going to change to match it. Look, we might have saw one that never reached his potential with John Daly. I mean, you talk yeah. about a guy that was unreal around the greens. Obviously, had all the distance, but have a lot of other things come in. And, yeah. and look, that's as much a part of the game as anything else is. You know, I mean, yeah. your, your mental toughness and your off course activities yeah. play into you yeah. know, what you're able to do on the golf course. Yeah. And, you know, J.D. Has, is still successful in this game, partly because of his personality, but also he still plays pretty good on the Champions Tour. You yeah. know, he's not someone who's missing – or he's there's not cuts out there for the most part, but he's not someone who's finishing back of the pack. Yeah. He, he still gets out there and he's competitive because yeah. he's one of the longer players, but also because he's, he's able to do it with his short game as well. I mean, around the green, that guy is unreal. He's got some and good, the he's fact got a good that he used to do it with those Callaway like, X12 wedges – they weren't even real wedges. They were like they were back irons. irons. They were they were higher lofted irons, and he would get it done. I mean, the guy was unreal with his hands, and you watch him even now, and you see all these great videos online of him barefooted hitting one handed flop shots, and he's holding them out. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. If if we could have honed his talent, he yeah. could have potentially been a demon, uh, not demonstrative, but a dominated, Dominant. yeah, dominating Dominant figure uh, in the game of golf at his time. Yeah, I mean, kept him off the of booze. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's a, that's the story with a lot of athletes, though, in, in their profession. Like, oh man, this guy was ultra talented, but they could, they didn't they didn't have everything working. You know, you see, you're starting to see a lot of guys now that are hitting it a long ways. You got Brandon Matthews just goes to a car off the Corn Ferry Tour. He's six six, maybe. Yeah, hits it a ton. You got a couple of guys in, on the DP World Tour that James Hart Dupree, who's six nine, hits it a mile. Wilkin Niedomer is yeah six seven. They haven't. They don't have the game to match it, but they can hit it a ton. I, and well, I are getting I, I would, by on that distance and that power right now. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, around the greens, I promise you, they don't want to see Justin Thomas in a shipping contest. I would argue that you're going to see, and, and McLean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think as the game progresses towards taller, bigger, stronger, faster, we're going to start to see a, a, a shift in the way the clubs are made. Like right now, clubs are made for the guy who's five ten. Standard golf club, standard weight, standard lie for the public, it, not for, for the, a tour player. For the public, for but I'm I, even. But again, the research, the R and D goes into how are we going to make the general public better, not how are we going to make every tour pro better. Like your 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 solid set of irons and drivers are trying to. Now I'm not saying that that you can't help a, a, a tour player with fitting, but I think that. I think you're going to have the availability of better better equipment is going to be tailored as people get bigger and stronger. It's going to be tailored to people who are swinging faster is what I'm saying. So right now, I think majority of the equipment is tailored for the general population because that's who you're trying to sell most, clubs. That's it who depends uses. on what brand you're talking about. I think there are some brands that probably do a better job of it, but I'm just saying as we move to that direction, I think all of the, all of the club manufacturers are going to move to that direction. It's just like anything else. Like they're going to find a way to all right to to try to match up with the with with the shift. And I think if, if you're a guy who's six six, 
I'm talking about like the weighting of the shaft, the length of the shaft. Like, yeah, because that affects the, every, how the head plays. That affects and, how the head plays. So it's it's more difficult for a guy who's six six to be able to get everything that he needs and to be able to practice and perform and uh, with the with the equipment that he needs because it's so different. Right. So let me touch on that real quick. What you will see is you'll see more manufacturers with a better tour line of products that allows those high speed, better players to yeah. access product. That's probably closer to what some of the tour guys get a little bit better. However, you will never see a major manufacturer put all their, all their eggs in that cart. No, no. The no. reason why is because the mass that yeah. is the golfing public is over a sin handicap. Exactly. No, and that's, that's where the average is. And they have to appeal to that player, sure. make a product that helps that player get better. But at the same time, I think yes, it's going to shift. I, well, what I think you'll see is a, a deeper offering yeah. in that tour caliber product. But but I think, you know, as we, you know, I agree, but kind of, I think where I was going with this is as players get bigger and taller and stronger, the, the design more and the products available for the, more products. So it's like, Hey, the standard is not for a five iron. It's not 37, whatever inches long. It's seven iron would be 37. What? Yeah, exactly. So it's going to start moving. It's going to start shifting up. The weights are going to change around a little bit to, to tailor towards. Okay. Now the average player is six, two well, average, you know, t- high end player six, two. We need to make our stiff shaft this, our extra stiff shaft, shaft so, this, the weighting this. And it's we've seen that already. It's progressively changing as we get to, 100%. Now, to where and, we are now. And what you're finding and the biggest thing that equipment manufacturers are trying to produce is a head that works for both. And that's where the adjustable weighting that is in yeah. modern technology exists. And that's why it exists, because you can take the same head and put, let's say you, your head has three weight ports in it. Mm-hmm. Well, the knowledge that we have currently allows us to to have the realization that the head that you have for a 20 handicapper with a 40 gram shaft in it yeah. can have four gram weights in the three weight points. And yeah. we're just talking specifics, dead neutral, yeah. not talking any, any weight bias or anything yeah, from that situation. Or anything like that. But they will have that product. And, and that's the biggest challenge from those. How do we take one head? Because, what, what it comes down to is, at the end of the day, if I can mass produce one head sure. and put different weights in it that appeal to a yeah. much larger line of golfers, that, that's what we're seeing. And, yeah. that, and that's ultimately what we're seeing from every manufacturer. I don't yeah. care which one it is. You will see the head. It'll be the same head. However, if it's for a uh, you know a, a high-speed tour-level player, yeah. we're going to bias more weight towards the front yeah. of that head, and we're going to have less on the perimeter. Yeah. However, you'll see, and it may be a 10 gram and two eight grams because yeah. they're playing with a 70 or 80 yeah. gram driver shaft, which we see very few players play with. But the big, strong guys, that's what they play with. That's what they need. Yeah. And now you can put an 8, 10, 12 gram weight in that head to create the proper balance at the golf yeah. club. But also now what everyone's trying to do is take that same head and throw four gram weights into every weight point yeah. and match it up with a 40 or 50 gram driver shaft because that's what helps work for the masses and that's the challenge that club manufacturers club manufacturers have this day is like how can i produce one head and make it appeal to more golfers what adjustability do i need to add to this that still allows it to remain playable with some level of success and some level of 
uh, of, of speed that's able to be created. But allows us to cut down cost of produ producing that, the club. And, well, like, and we exactly can produce right. two heads as opposed well, to seven. Well, because the more it costs to produce them, the more that you have to pass on to the consumer. Too. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, every manufacturer trying to do that. And we see that with everyone. Yeah. Because at, at, at the end of the day, when you look at it, most every company has X's and senior shafts, a flex, if you will. Yeah. A, approachable flex, if you will, <laughs> for every golfer. Yeah. And it might, and they put the same head on it. Yeah. Well, in previous history, there was not that adjustability factor. Yeah. We couldn't adjust the weight in the head. We couldn't yeah. adjust the hosel. We couldn't do all of those things. You know, now we have that additional adjustability that allows us to take one head and make it playable for a wider range of golfers. Yeah. The the trick is now is how do I how do I effectively do that for each speed? That, that's what's tough. I mean that's there was what's a, tough. There was a I used to I used these irons for a long time. They were the the uh, tailor-made TP you know 011 blades and then you have cavity back setup. But uh, if, if you you guys aren't familiar with them, I mean I still have them in my living room, but they had the the little weight disc in the back. They were the first the first company to kind of put the adjustable weights in the back. Now it wasn't adjustable for the public, but for the tour players, you could change the grams and you could get it right. You could, you could change, it, change it the factory. Oh yeah. If you just tell them what you want and then you could order the weight sets, they had, you know, they had the like a uh, Loctite in them. so you could tighten them down so they wouldn't come loose. But I mean, I remember I used those, that set of irons for five years. I went through four sets of those irons because I knew I could adjust the weight behind the ball and I could get the swing rate exactly the way I wanted. I ordered, I just went on eBay and ordered all the, uh, uh, Daniel Berger still uses these irons. Yeah. Because, the, because the of the part though, with that technology is that the head weights have to remain somewhat constant. They do. I mean, you because just have when to you start putting in different disc weights and different irons. You're going to change the center of gravity. Sure. Sure. The launch profile. Sure. And I think, you know, for, for some of these guys, you know, if you're really getting that, that precise, like a Daniel Berger. The average he, golfer's never going to. They're never going to know that. But for a tour player, it's like, oh, you know what? I'll, oh, I'll buy, I'll buy six sets, and then I'll weigh all the heads and see where. Yeah. And, and, and then get the swing weights right. Has a four gram disc in it, and yeah. your nine iron has an eight gram disc in it. They're going to launch differently. They're going to oh, launch 100%. a lot differently. The weight's going to be distributed changed, differently. The sweet spots move. I mean, but, there's, there's a. But you do have that. you do have way more options than I mean because. Way you can have options. that much variability with any any iron head that you get from any manufacturer. Absolutely. You know, I'm not naming any names. I mean, even the best, you can go down the top of the list. They're they're all so inconsistent. You know, There's a lot and, of variants. And, um, and so if the more the more uh, the more options you have, and the more uh, the more more of ability you have to change the, whatever little factor you have and changing the the swing head weight that then you'll take it you know it's like yeah uh, this nine iron is actually this nine iron is too heavy i'm going to try to get another nine iron where it's similar to the other set and i'll get the swing rate right and, and match exactly right shot. and that's what and that's but, what you see at the the upper echelon now on the tour player level that's what you see they weigh these heads they, yeah. they put sets together by the weight of the head oh, because yeah. they know when they go to reweight them they have a much lower tolerance level that they need to work with oh, and yeah. it allows them to put weight in the same spot but the same weight in the same spot i mean really what it comes down to is consistency so if you get a set of irons and you play with them and you're cons you, you're used to playing you know certain shots with each iron then it's just a matter of you just want to replicate it like okay i know what my nine iron does with this weight uh with this weight behind the ball 
you know, you know, maybe this the the head weight is is heavier than my eight iron weight, but I, I, I adjust the the back of the weight behind the back of the ball and it plays this way for me. All I have to do is keep doing that. Like manufacturer, I'm, I'm going through this set of irons in three months, send me this weight head, you know, and I know that I'm going to be able to, I can always adjust, you know, the weight behind the ball a little bit, but you're always, they just want consistency. It doesn't matter if it's the same throughout the set. It's just, it's just a matter of, is it predictable? Like we, that's what golf is like, can I predict my next shot? You know, I know my nine iron flies a little higher than the other ones, but I know that it does it every time. So that's all we want, just to be able to predict the next shot. Well, the guys who predict the next shot the best are the guys who win every week. Look, uh, this will be an unpopular statement, but the best way to weight your golf clubs is through lead tape. Yeah. You can, you can specifically target every range of the golf club to make them fly similar. Yeah. Your nine iron may have weight a little bit higher on the yeah. back at, back flange of the club and Move your eight you iron may have it a little bit lower, but in doing so it allows you to create the exact same launch window. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. That's I agree. one of the, it doesn't look sexy. Now with the, it's not sexy. I don't, I don't know. I kind of think it does. I <laughs> Just like throw it. I'm an old gobs of lead tape old school guy. I like seeing that lead tape. Dude, that makes I you like think of my, my old school Mizunos when I was a kid. I'm like, I, you're like, oh, these are these are heavy enough. I need to put some lead tape. I know. I, I put lead tape on stuff back when I was a kid too, just because like the pros did it, and I think I probably hurt myself. And actually <laughs> you had no idea. No what. idea. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh lead tape was a more, my putter like well for the longest time and, and maybe I, I feel that way only because i'm an old school head and i yeah. i like the traditional way that things were done but at the end of the day i'm not saying that's a better way of doing it i'm just saying it, it's for the for the longest time it was the most precise way to create a similar weight a similar launch window and ultimately now unless you have a manufacturer that has very consistent head weights. It's tough to replicate that. Yeah. Well, we're like 50 minutes in and we've gotten through one of my bullet points. Well, so, we don't have but to go we're through killing all the it so far. Now. We're fucking we're killing, killing it so it's far. Crazy. This is a great podcast. We can skip all live shit if we want. No problem with that. That's right. Really? We can talk more about yeah. the bourbon. I'm yeah. surprised you want to skip live shit. We don't, I mean, all right, a couple other real, real fast Amex, Amex thoughts. Um, Xander makes an albatross, which was cool. Good that was you, awesome. Xander. All I want to say is, it, people, it's an albatross. It's not a double eagle. It's an albatross. Oh, is that official? That's really yeah, yeah. That's what we're saying. Mm -hmm. It's albatross. It's an mm -hmm. albatross, not albatross. a double albatross. eagle. Albatross. A L B A R. Sure, whatever. It's not yeah. a double eagle. Well, all I'm saying, if we're gonna make it official, we got to pronounce it correctly. That's you know what? I'm, I'm, just trying, I'm, like trying to pay, I'm just trying to pay homage to Xander's shot. I, it's okay? homage. Yeah, we're we gonna get going down this rabbit hole right now because I can get on one. So why I just hate because what's an eagle? What? How many under par? Oh, you're thinking in the literal terms. That means like it's more under par. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, an eagle is two under par. A double eagle would then, therefore, not a math major, would be four under par. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. It's yeah. The only way to look at it. <laughs> Look, I just got to be honest, and I love you. I really do. But this makes me mad at the entire state of Massachusetts. <laughs> Why? Because you're fucking with shit that doesn't need it. I'm just saying. Chick-fil-A also has a great menu, and Costco's fantastic. We should have got this event catered by Chick-fil-A. We should have. I could have I hammered out a nugget tray. 
hammered out. Let me get the Polynesian, some honey roasted totally barbecue, a little bit of Chick-fil-A sauce. I'll mix them all up. And how, how did you say you pronounce albatross? Albatross. B-A-R. Tross. B-A-R? That's incorrect. Incorrect. There's no, I don't think there's an R in there. There's no R. Yeah. Well, fuck the hey. Albert, Albert Tross shoes then because they fucked me up. All right. It's A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S. I thought that's how it was too until these shoes came out were Albert Tross, and I was like, oh, that actually. probably some guy's name. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think it's enough of the bird. I think you, it's, know what? you know what? All I can say is fuck that guy. Regardless, yeah. regardless, I'm calling it double eagle. I don't care. All right. I, uh, yeah. Good for you, Xander. Good for, Good for you. Good for you. Uh, Davis Thompson. Great golf. Impressed. Player. I'm impressed. Yeah. You I, go toe to toe with John Rahm as a rookie in the PGA Tour. Hey, he did shot. some good shit in the fall, too. He did. Let's not sleep on him. The no, guy, I mean, he's a, he was a stud in college. And look, he's a little bit newer on the PGA Tour, but he's not a no name. Yeah. He's not a relative no name. He's had some success already on tour, he's had some success elsewhere. He's not a fucking no name. And the guy has a good move. Just has a good it move. Is. Yeah, really tall, yeah. tall, athletic. Even Rom had some comments after the round. He was, he was impressed with them. So I was impressed that he put up a fight, man. He didn't back down, staring eye to eye with. I mean, Rom's an intimidated figure. Like he's not as a big dude, but he's just the way he carries himself. Yeah. He's well, an intimidating yeah. guy. And especially now, I mean, the guy is a huge ass. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. He's like, I think of Happy Gilmore every time. I call my neighbor. He has a huge, huge ass. ass. <laughs> Uh, Rob, Rob was obviously Happy Gilmore's neighbor, but at the end of the day, no, Rob is an intimidating figure, not just because of his size and, and who he is, but because of what he's accomplished in the game. If he could only get some better shoes on his feet, those outfits may look better. He just doesn't fit well in the Travis Matthew clothing. None of it. And, like, and I like Travis no. Matthew. They have good stuff. I wore doesn't a pair of shorts earlier today. It just doesn't fit him well. But it, it, if he had some good shoes under his feet, I think he could pull it off more. Travis, tra- Travis Matthew – is more for a, a little bit more of a slender guy. And he's he's pretty thick. And that's why it doesn't look right on he him. He is. He's thick as a Because there's some guys out there that wear it. You would, it, it looks good. It looks fine. Not great on him. It's not, And that's no negative to yeah. Travis Matthew to make great apparel. No, no, no. no. It's just a, the fit. The, the, yeah. You just got to – it's got to fit right for you. There's certain stuff. He's a little bit of a boxier person, and their cut is not boxy. Yeah. Huge ass. Huge ass. Uh, all right. So pin out. Pin in or pin out. Been I'm out. sure everyone's seen it. Davis Been Thompson, out, long putt on 17. I don't know if that ball goes in or not. I can't. I've I, I, watched it like 12 times. At minimal, it hits the back of the cup, bounces pops up. up and I would in. much rather give myself a chance to hit the back of the cup and pop pop up and, and drop in. I always, again. And, well, and, but and hold the, on, Jay. I don't mean to cut you off, but let me ask you this you question real quick. Off. I just did. But he already did. I just fucking did. If your ball hits the pin and rejects, Versus hitting the back of the cup and pops out, which one do you feel like you got fucked on? The pin. Yeah, you regret 100%. it because it's like, oh shit, did I make the wrong decision? Hundred percent. If your ball hits the back of the cup and bounces out, you're like, that was going too fast. Yeah, I always think that if I hit the pin and it doesn't go in, then the pin aided in me missing the putt. Hundred percent. Um, not always. It, I saw one today that was I, definitely not going I, in. I'm, but, I'm not going to say always. There's a there's an occasion where like yeah the pen speeds I mean, a factor. Sure, speeds a factor. But I mean anyone can go pull up the, the golf digest article and they had some you know scientists from one of the universities in the in the northern Midwest and non golfer, non golfer. But one again, might be, might they, be better off. They did they did do a quite a bit of analyzing on the speed of the putt. Obviously, that's the difference maker here. So, you know, if they did a, they started from two and a half feet and then they moved their way back. And if 
if you if you hit a putt that they use the the perfect the perfect putter uh, is that the name of the the perfect perfect putter the the track the, the train the track yep it's like um, a Ramon uh, Bisconza, I'm sorry buddy like I know yeah. we're buddies and you created this and uh, sorry I didn't get it right it. Okay. No, you, no you got it right. I got it's it. a perfect, perfect putter. putter okay yeah, so right. that my instinct was right okay um, but anyway, just question yourself. Um, but anyway, so they, they obviously, you know, started with two and a half feet and made, or started with like three, I think it was four feet. And then the putt needed to go two and a half feet by, and they did 10 putts, um, you know, with pin in, pin out, they all went in and they started doing it uh, progressively uh, higher up on the perfect putter where the putt would go, you know, three and a half feet by four and a half feet, four and a half feet by. Um, but they started with every putt needed to be dead center. And, as they kept going going through this, every putt from this you know three to four foot range went in, regardless of the speed, or the, the results were equal. Now, as they started moving back and then moved off slightly off center hits, more putts went in with the flag out than with the flag in. So, you can have a like a, I'm you know slightly off center, meaning like a half an inch, and the way that it would ricochet off the putter or off the pin, the ball would pop out at different speeds, whereas if the pin was out at the same speed, the putt still dropped. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it's I, again, I, this is very scientific, and I'm just looking at it from a simple, you know, None dumb. Of scientists, by the way. Yeah, we're not scientists. Uh, obviously, I'm just looking at like if I want to make a ball go in a hole, if there's nothing in the way, I've got a better chance for this ball to go in than if there's nothing in the way. Think about shooting a basketball at a basketball rim with a pole in the middle of the basketball rim. Would you would you want there to be a pole in the middle of the basketball rim? Well, the, now, granted, I'm saying if the size was the correct, where the ball would still fit in. Yeah, I, I get but what you're saying. I, I would not want saying. anything in there. Like, get it out of here because the chance of me hitting that and, and making it deflect in a weird way, like the less way, is more. The way I feel about the pinning is it only helps putts that are going a little bit too fast and hit dead center. Exactly right. That's where I think it does provide a benefit. Maybe, maybe. And it but, may provide a benefit to the average player. It may actually provide a benefit to the average player that's not a, as to not make control it. as his speed is. I don't think it's going to make you make it. I think it's, it's just going to keep it from going eight feet by. Keep it from going eight feet by. So and that, and that, and that, pin in is a way of like from 50 feet, you're like, hey, man. I'm just talking about in. makes, though. No, no, I'm, I'm, makes. I, I, I don't think, think I don't think so in makes. I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. I think in terms of making it now, if, if you're on. trying to leave the pin in because you, you want to make sure if I'm hitting it too hard, I can hit the pin and only have a bounce off and have a two footer or yes. it could potentially crash in and go in. But that also has to do with what type of pin it is. Yeah. Pin, the type of pin makes a difference. If it's a soft fiberglass pin, you can go ahead and ram that in there and it may bounce and go down. And I think that's where for the average player, it may actually be a bigger benefit because ultimately they don't have as much control over their speed. They have more putts that approach the hole too fast. But you need to know. Then you do at the proper speed. If you're someone like myself, I I die putts in. That's how I'm always putt. To me, it doesn't feel like it's as big of an advantage unless I'm putting from 40, 50 feet where I'm – there's a chance I'm going to approach the hole, a much higher probability yeah. that my ball will approach the hole at the wrong speed and I might get lucky mm-hmm. with it crashing in, collecting that steam, and falling six inches yeah. south. The only yeah. time I ever keep it in is on a really long lag putt. Because you don't want to go take the pin out. <laughs> well, partly because I'm lazy. Or just well, wanna, we'll just leave the, that out of the equation. Let's leave that out of the, the equation. Just the speed of just not wanting to go take it out. But sometimes I feel like it just helps me depth perception-wise on a really long putt. I can just see the target a little bit better, but but the goal is not. You're using that as a as a lagging tool, not as a. I'm going to leave this pin in because if 
It, I'm, I'm not doing it because I think it's going to help me. It's not giving you a higher percentage of No, not at all. Yeah. And yeah. I actually like taking it out purely from a visual. The hole looks way bigger when the flag stick's not in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, agreed. I, when I, that thing's you, in there, it looks like a tiny target. I'm like, yeah. oh, damn, how am I going to make this? And also, when you pull that thing out, it's like, oh, man, that looks like a big bucket. Like, Let's like go. we used an example earlier. Like I mean, you, if like we it. if I had a basketball goal, and granted, say the goal was a little bit bigger to where a ball would fit in between a hole in the middle. I would not want to shoot baskets yeah. at a at a at a goal that's got a pole running down the middle of it. Well, that's flying through the air versus rolling on the ground. Yeah, so it's a I, little bit different. It is a little bit different. That, sure. little bit but I still time. visually, I would I would be like, wow, this thing's yeah. in the way. Get you know, get out of the way. Like I can shoot a low a low flighted or with a low arc jump shot, and if I shoot it just right with the right amount of spin, hit the back of the rim, it's in. Yeah. But if the if there's a pin in the middle of the of the goal, like who knows? Yeah. Like, who knows? Well, I mean, I, I get I get where you're coming from. So, yeah, take people take the pen out. I'm with you. Take take, take the pen out, out as take often as hey, often as you can. Hey, Dad, take take the pen out. I know you don't listen to the pod every week, Coach. Coach, listen to your son. You need to take Coach. the pen out. Um, you don't need to ring the bell, as you as you like to say. That's not. A thing. I love that saying. He I love it. It, it. it he does it because it's a visual thing for him, and I get it. He gives him something to aim at, but like you can still aim at stuff without the pin in. Like you can pick up yeah. like side of the cup or something. You can yeah. you can do it, buddy. You yeah. can do it. Uh, yeah, picture a blade of grass rolling yeah. over. What's Jordan say? Aim small, miss small. Yeah. Did Jordan say that? Too. I don't know where he fucking learned it from. I'm just saying the guy <laughs> said it. Michael Jordan. I mean, want for me. you know, when when you're famous and you have six championships and you're the greatest basketball or basketball you can say time, that you made up a you say. can say that you've made up a quote and Not somebody else probably are. said it before you and they wouldn't question they weren't like, are, are you know no chance no this ball like yeah jordan definitely said that 100 percent. i mean because jinx it was in stereo all right real I'll fast before, before we get to some live i want i do want to be a bourbon <laughs> i do want to get to a couple live topics but real fast just to the listeners shout out victor perez wins in abu dhabi and dp world tour with a amazing bunker shot. We'll call it 30 yards into the wind on a down slope. Sucks it back 15 feet. Yeah, pulls eight. it. We're going to call it eight feet. Yeah, we'll call it. Okay, eight, eight feet. Yeah. He thinned it a little bit. He did admit that. His partner was in there, or his playing opponent, who was the closest challenger, was one back, had just hit it to 20 feet. It was a tough par three. It's like 220 yards yeah. into the wind. Um, he's in there with a decent look for birdie, and he holds the bunker shot. It, which, it was an incredible shot. Which basically wins by one. It was it an was, incredible shot. It was absolutely. It'll incredible. go down as one of the best shots in golf this year. Yeah. It will. It won't be talked however, about enough because it was over there. However, but. my only issue with any of it is Victor Perez came out and said it's the best shot he ever hit. Now, it may have been the best shot he ever pulled off. The most important shot. Most yeah. important. In yeah. because, of, because of the result. Yeah. However, as he said, he did catch it. A hair thin. And you can't say it's Flew it eight shot feet behind the hole and it best sucked result. Back. Best result. Best, best result. Best result. Yeah. But as someone of his caliber, yeah, he's hit a lot of shots that he's pulled off exactly the way he wanted to. It may not have gone in the hole, but he's hit shots from 250, 60 yards with a three wood that he flighted a tight draw into a tight pin. Yeah. It ended up at two or three feet, and he did exactly what, what he tried to do. To do. Exactly yeah. what he tried to do. This, he admits that he slightly mishit it. And this goes back to the point to where I will always argue that the best players in the world and the guys who win tournaments 
are the guys that miss the fucking best. Oh, yeah. That's oh, what yeah. it comes down to. It's a game of That's what it came down to with him. He missed it slightly. He he got an absolute great result out of it. Yeah. But for him to say it's the best shot I ever hit, I immediately, not cringe, but I was like, it's not. It's not. No, he just it, said that because of what you, it won him. Pulled off, you've pulled yeah. off better shots in your lifetime. It yeah. may not have been something on camera, but you've pulled off better shots. You've done exactly what you tried to do. And you, what the fuck are you doing? like a helmet it's like my practice helmet for the nfl i put mclean's hat on his size over top of mine and it fits perfectly <laughs> does that let me see that does is that, it is it hold on is that mine it's like one of those soft helmets yeah, yeah. The i feel like i need to be wearing it's almost to come airtight <laughs> and that fit on top of your hat oh, yeah. with your hat on i'm a seven and an eight fitted hat i don't know what fitted hat i am because i'm <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does it, like this is one more thing that Jay, this is why jay's a better player than i am you know he has less thoughts up there less voices i got less voices he's less got voices. less room for hatred in his head i'm a simple brain that's disappointing. Dude. you put my hat at my size on top of your hat and I got mean, it all the way down i'm, I'm not sure if it's for me it's disappointing for both of you i think yeah. it might be your head's huge your head's tiny I'm okay with it. He's like a head. foot taller than I am. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's it fits accurate. That's that's it's great. I I think I'm offended. I'm uncertain. I really am. So a couple of thoughts. I got a couple two two follow up thoughts on their CW deal. I didn't. Do we want to roll the Dawson's Creek theme song? God, there's been some <laughs> great memes uh, and videos. Holy They're shit. so good. No, so in uh, real takes. And some of those details came out after we did the pod last week. Um, the first round is going to be streamed on the CW app. You can't wow. even watch the first round on it, TV. Oh, it's streamed on the app? It's on the app. It's not streamed on YouTube either. There's no I'm more. I'm sorry. It's not. There's no more YouTube. What? But hold on. I'm, I'm good with there being no more YouTube, but you're telling me that they have this TV deal with the CW and the best it's thing only, is a fucking app? No. So the first round, it's only on CW on Saturday, Sunday. The first round of the tournament, if you want to watch, you have to download the CW app to watch it versus putting it on YouTube, which is the most popular website in the an app in the entire world. So you're telling me right now that the Live Golf first round can't beat out One Tree Hill reruns? They cannot. The CW will not put it on on Fridays. What? Why? So that right there is like, what are you guys doing? You, you're better off putting it on YouTube. It's the most easily watched yeah, just keep, streaming. Just keep it on YouTube. And then the other thing with the whole CW thing is they're now losing one of the best aspects of what Live is. No commercials. No commercials. And now you add a bunch of CW commercial app commercials. Oh, that sounds terrible. That sounds so bad. It, like I get it. Like it's a win for them that they can say, "Hey, we made the TV. We're on TV in the United States." But it's still not great for them. It's still not great. So those when I, when I thought about the the whole ad thing versus the no ad thing, and then when I found out they had to. You can't watch the first round on TV, that's, nor on YouTube. You have to download. That's uh, not who's, a great who's, deal. who's downloading the CW app? I'm not. I'm not going to download the app. <laughs> I will not. Well, I don't. I don't plan on it. I, that's dumb. I don't. I don't yeah. like those those apps. I'm not going to do that. So now it also has come out 
that Norman has more power. And I think that's just oh, I thought he was getting I thought he was getting backed off. Here. I, I think that's just them sticking it to Rory and Tiger, who so, came hey, out saying he uh, needs to step needs down. To oh well, now we're gonna. So we're gonna oh yeah, you you think that? Well, now he's we're gonna give him more power. So, um, Majid Al Sarah, I have no idea if I said that right. The managing director of I'm sorry, Live. Can you run that back? Nope. You get it once. But, uh, <laughs> Majid Al Sarah, sure, maybe the managing director of Live is out. Uh, he's also the CEO of Saudi Golf. He deals with a few other things relative to the PIF. And so Norman is now basically reporting directly to um, – what's his name? M. Night Shyamalan? It's close. <laughs> hey, he's uh, got a really weird movie that's coming up, In the Cabin or something like that. All his movies are weird. I mean, this last one is really crazy. I mean, I feel like he started off really hot, and now he's really he's dropped been, off. Yeah. So, but anyway, okay. Not, not, I mean, no, he he has he has nothing to do with live golf. He, he is, doesn't, but he's not involved in the pit. Not, but, not involved at all. Uh, but that was a good point though, because that did bring up he does have a movie coming out. Yeah, a good okay. point. Lose your hair right now. It's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> not a whole lot up there. She's getting thin. So, but Norman Norman's not taking more power. I don't know what that means other than that. Yeah, dude, we're gonna old. comparing our bald spots, <laughs> which I have none. Yeah, I don't lose hair. The Maroni Maroni boys, we don't lose our hair. Good for you, dude. Hey, do you want a fucking cookie? No, I mean, if you guys like, are going to... Like, there's like few moments where I've been mad at him. That was one of them immediately. I'm just like, what a bag of dick. <laughs> like, you didn't have to bring that up. Jay and I are over here commiserating with yeah. our age. I mean, my receding hairline is going like, to, the, to the back of my head. Here. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Mike just comes in. Mm, sorry, not sorry. Incredible. Hey, good for Incredible. you. Incredible. Yeah. Real. Couldn't be happy. Good gene. Uh, we yeah. finally have the live schedule. Leaves a lot to be desired. Well, uh, you know, this is a uh, world tour. It's a world tour. World tour. Eight events in the United States. Nine in the North America. If you count the one in Mexico at the PJ, a former PJ tour venue. So not so hey, much a world. You event. can't negate that though. The fact that they took a course that was a tour event means a lot. Now, sure. I can only imagine that Abraham answer probably had a lot to do with that. But at the same time, the fact that they're able to get a, a place like. Valderrama, the fact they're able to get El Chameleon or however the fuck you pronounce it, um, that that shows sure. that they're they're legit. Yeah. Now there no, are some there are some sites on on their list that definitely leave some to be yeah. desired. I mean, you would yeah. expect them to be able to to lock up some better venues than Three some Trump of the ones that they have. But oh, but hold on, leave the political totally no, no, out of that equation. Three, they have three Trump courses, which is pretty you know. But those are those are quality They're venues. Great golf course. Those are quality venues, and that's my whole point. Leave the political out of that whole conversation. Those are at least good venues. No, there's a are. couple on the list where you look at it, it's like, man, how the fuck did they end up there? Yeah, you know. Yeah, some of the golf courses are not the best. I just I'm just pushing back on they. They call themselves a world tour. Well, no, and- it's not that the golf course is not the best. There's just certain venues that you would think that a a league of this caliber with the players of this caliber and the funding behind it would be able to secure a couple of better venues. That, well, and, that's and the, the whole point. The, the, how do you say the course in Mexico? You El Camillion. Uh, yeah, El Camillion. Yeah. Did you yeah, question so my enunciation? You questioned first? yourself. Don't worry about what I do. Mike, okay. <laughs> so I question myself often. My thing is with them, 
is, yeah, it sounds like a big get that they stole that from the PGA Tour, but that's a fall series event with the fall series going away next year. So I'm not sure what the longevity of that event yeah. was to begin with. Because yeah. I think we're going to start to see major they, changes on the PJ Tour schedule in 2024. Did they not play a WGC there? No, that's where they play the Mayakoba in the fall. Okay, I apologize. They played um, – I thought WGC Mexico That's in Mexico City. Play, this okay. is this different, is Playa, different course. This I'm, is Playa del Carmen, yeah. Um, I forget the name of that course. That's the one that's like 7,000 feet up in, uh, up in the mountains there. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It, it could just be like – you know, Mayakoba or whoever, um, they're just like, hey, we we kind of see the writing on the wall here that we're not going to have a PJ Tour event because of all the changes coming on the pipe. So it could have been. But, yeah, Valderrama's a big one. That's been a, a kind Valderrama's of a – Valderrama's a very big one. Um, on, on the Euro Tour. Centurion Club's a, a good facility. I mean, been they, a staple. That's a that's a nice – You got old, old White at Greenbrier, which is a former PJ Tour A little bit surprised venue. by that. You know, the not Greenbrier is ah, – the Greenbrier has historically been, you know, cemented in PGA Tour history, a very traditionalist um, facility. And I, I, you may have some more local knowledge that, you know, disrupts I just, that. I, I, no, I don't have local knowledge. I just have the knowledge of their owner on TV. Otherwise known as local knowledge. No, all I got to do is watch the, the former events with the Greenbrier. Jim Justice is handing out $100 bills to, like, he's the fucking big shot. Like, just... To be, hey, everyone, look at me. That's perfect for Liv. I'm getting tickets. That's, then. that's a perfect, just fit. That kind of personality yeah. is a perfect no, fit for Liv. I get, I get that. I get that. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, they got a couple. Uh, Boston's out. No Boston event. That's off the schedule. Uh, Rich Harvest Farms is back. Doral's back. Um, they're going to Saudi Arabia to close the season this year. Which makes of, sense. I mean, no one, no one can be that surprised by that. Back to Bedminster, back to Centurion, like you said. They add Trump, D.C. They add a course mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, Singapore, Australia, which we talked about a little while ago, a few months ago when they announced that they're going back to Australia. And then the Gallery Golf Club, which will look a little familiar. It used to be – they used to have the match play there. It used to be under a different name. I forget the name of what it used to be. But um, match play, where that's the WGC match play used to be there when they played in Arizona. Yeah, what was oh. the name of that? Gosh, oh, that was yeah, that was in the two thousands. Yeah, yeah, they that's changed. Where the, Stephen Ames got beat nine and eight. They changed. No, 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 no. That was no, that was uh, that was La Quinta. That was like no, or La Jolla, La, La Costa, La Costa. I was there La, La that day. That's right. You I said was there that day. Yeah, I got there on the seventh hole and I wanted to watch Tiger and it was. Fucking seven up. And we got to watch him for four holes. What an asshole. What an asshole. Yeah. Jeez. Steve, I blame Stephen Ames for, for fucking poking the bear. Oh, man, the, 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 the possibly the greatest poking the bear scenario in all of professional sport. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The, biggest, just, the biggest backfire of poking the bear. It's yeah. just incredible. And still to this day, you still watch those stats because we see those videos pop up on social media all the time. And when that's the one that pops up, you end up watching it. Tiger had the white mock, the white mock sort of way. That's terrible. And I wore them, but those were terrible. I did too. I did. I, I was they mocks, mock guy. I mocks were terrible, but I wore them. Dove Mountain. Never. Dove Mountain. There we go. There we go. Dove Gosh. Mountain, now called the gallery. So that's our that's our live take. Uh, I guess one live adjacent um, 
Keith Pelly, Jay Monahan. I'll call no Jay Monahan. Keith Pelly is the executive director of the DP World Tour. They have recused themselves from any um, from the board on the official World Golf Rankings debate uh, regarding Liv's eligibility for points, which we expected. They should. They should. Do they that. should yeah. not be involved in those conversations. No. One, that, they, they, one there's no benefit. Yeah, there's too much bias. I mean, there's there's all, way too much. The, they're, yeah. they're without question going to have a very one-sided um, argument to what they pitch. And I'm not saying that's – Especially with lawsuits going on. Well, I'm not saying that's to their fault. They have an entity that they need to protect. They need to protect what they're doing, but they 100%. just can't – They can't be involved in that. Yeah, no, I, so. I, I agree with that. I, I do think that – the live golf tour and it doesn't have to be this year, but they do deserve world ranking points because of the field that they produce. I think they'll get no, I mean, I'm going to rephrase this. They'll get world ranking points. I think they're going to be so minuscule because of this new system. There's been a lot of talk about the world golf ring. And, and actually a lot of it's been by John Rom. He's been bringing it up a lot, how he's won four of the last six times and he's only gone up to number three in the world, more from six to three. And part of it is because some of them were limited field events that really hurts in the new world golf ranking system. And part of it is because the world golf ranking system just started in the new one just started in August. So there's a lot of guys that have a year and a half worth of bolstered points, inflated points that will be, would have been knocked down in the new system. So you're really not going to get a true understanding of where people rank in the world golf rankings until the new system is two years old and yeah. everyone has all points for two years. Yeah. Well, and I saw but a soundbite look- with John Rahm earlier this week and, you know, he's obviously been very, you know, outstanding with his thoughts of you know, where he should be or how it's being done. And, you know, it, it was comical quite frankly, to see the reporter deliver him some news that he wasn't aware of that Patrick Cantlay could have actually became number one this week, ranked fifth in the world, and John Rahm ranked fourth, yet John Rahm could not become number one no matter what the outcome was. And John Rahm's uh, response to that was so pure because it was something that he wasn't aware of. He literally was like, "Are are you serious? That could actually happen? It was pretty comical from a, a viewership standpoint, but at the same time, you know, you, you could tell that he's taken some heat over his comments, mm-hmm. and it feel it felt like, you know, some people in his court had obviously told him like, "Hey, this is there's no benefit to go against this. You need to just kind of maybe not get it. on board, but but accept not be it. so outspoken against it." And he immediately said well, I mean, afterwards, he kind of chuckled. He was like, "Are you serious? Are you serious?" And he kind of caught himself, and he goes. Look, I think overall, after you know the two-year cycle goes by, the new changes will, in fact, be better. But there's still a lot of points out there from previous tournaments that will expire. And this, yeah, that's what the big over. thing is. There's a timetable that ultimately will take over and be more. Um, I, I, I will say one thing. Though, I will say one thing. In the last, you know, how, how long has the World Golf Rankings have been in, in effect? It's the 70s, right? Uh, I want to say 80s. No, yeah, 80s. I think it's I think it's 80s. in the 80s. Yeah, because Greg Norman was really the first guy to be like number one player in the world, right? It was started by an agent with IMG. Yeah, by the way. But needless to say, obviously it's evolved over the years. But 1986. If you look back in the history of Great world year. world golf rankings, have they been wrong? 
Not really. No. Not really. I mean, uh, maybe on. one or back. two. Hold like, that back. Hold that back. You, you can't say it hasn't been wrong. It hasn't been wrong in the top ten, but there have been a lot of players yes. that qualified yes. for it's, events. Sure, sure, sure. That may yeah. not. But for, uh, for to determine the number one player in the world. I, not I don't been, disagree with the number one player in the world, but the bigger issue has been the players that are 75 I, through I, I agree 40. I agree with that. That are gaining points through these tours that have no very, very limited. Yeah, that's quality. where they, the I don't want to say a limited they, field, they, but the quality of field lesser. We, yeah, the lesser. I think, I think we've talked. We've definitely talked about that. Yeah, we've all we all agree the that, that the lower tiered ranking is is skewed. But yeah. to to determine the number one player in the world in, in John Rahm's situation, which is what we were talking about. I don't think that they're – it's pretty accurate. I mean, like I said, you could argue one and two, but you can't argue one and five or one yeah. and eight or one and yeah. ten. Like, Agreed. it's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's, so, pretty, it's pretty good. Like, you know who the no, best it has been, player that, in the world is. that's not the biggest issue behind it. It's about weighting these tournaments correctly mm-hmm. with the strength of field um, that's associated with each event. And, yeah. you know, there has been historically um, some points given. And I'm, I don't even want to name – specific tours or events because I don't think it does any benefit to the game of golf or the world of golf. But ultimately there have been events, there have been tours that were given points and there are guys that have qualified for major championships and were able to insert themselves in the top 50 of the world. And they were getting inflated points on their tour. Well, without question, but at the same time, where I look at where the problem is, if they're the top 50 player in the world that qualified for the masters and I don't know who he is, I look back and I'm like, what, what, how, yeah. how did that happen? Well, who is this guy? Where did yeah. he came from? Well, and, so, and we all follow golf very, very diligently. We're all very familiar with who's playing, what tournaments they're playing in, how they're playing. But yet when you get to some of these majors and you see some of these guys in the tournaments and you go, well, how this guy qualify? And he found out that he got it from this tour or that tour, whatever it may be, you start to question whether or not that this is being graded fairly across the boat. I mean, you've seen a lot of players. I mean, Brooks Kepka is a great example of a guy who went over in Europe and played in events to get his world ranking high enough to where he could come play in the American events. And obviously, he's done incredible since then. But at the same time, he he saw the opportunity that he could still generate world ranking points by going and playing over in Europe. And it got him to the PGA Tour. Now, there's nothing yeah. wrong with what he did. I have no questions, no qualms. I, I, 100%. You saw an opportunity, you took it. At the same time, when you have guys generating as many world ranking points as some of these guys were playing at even lesser tours than the European tour, yeah. and they're gaining exemptions into a major, when you have PGA Tour members that have played the toughest tournaments throughout the last 8, 10, 12, 54, whatever you want to look at, you know, the, the schedule, it, it doesn't. It's not tip for tat. It's not yeah. for different. No, and Rom's Rom's not changing course. But I think when he was really outspoken in the fall, I don't think he really had the full details of the new system and why this was happening and why that was happening. And so I think he's starting to educate himself a little bit more. Maybe someone in his camp was like, "Hey, Jordan, yeah, you need exactly to look right. at this a little bit more." Yeah, that's exactly. And right. so, like the number here this year for winning the Century Tournament of Champions, which had seventeen of the top twenty players in the world, he only got thirty-seven points. Under the old system last year, the winner, Cam Smith, got 62 points. And the field was actually a couple players smaller yeah. last year because they added the people who made the tour championship for this year. Sure. So that's that's where it's hurt and wrong because there's Cam Smith still has those 62 points on his books. Yeah. 
right? And so that that's can we can we talk years, about can we talk about that tournament for one second? Do, do you guys agree that this tournament should have the guys that made the tour championship or just the tour winners? Because I actually liked it when it was just the tour winners. It was a specific event just for tour winners, guys that won an event. You 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 gave yourself another paycheck. You earned that. I gave it. You earned that shit. You got out there and you did it. I don't care if you're Garrett Willis. I don't care who you are. You earn that throughout I, your winning a PGA Tour event. And I think the Century Tournament of Champions should only involve champions. My personal opinion. Um, I'm I'm really fine either way because it's really you're you're only talking about three or four more guys because most guys that they're going to win the tour, tour champion or win a tournament, there's going to be a really good shot of them getting into the tour championship. So you're only talking three or four guys that actually make it. Yeah, without they, winning a event. All right, forget about I mean, those three or four the, guys. The previous years, I mean, you're talking like five five or six more guys, max. max but let's, let's forget about those three or four guys. I mean, it doesn't make sense with the name. It. Let's forget about the three or four guys that might not have made it, right? Let's talk about the guys that didn't win and got in. They deserve to be there. You know, I mean, sure, we could argue that, yeah, that, that because the the name of the tournament is Tournament of Champions. I will well, say that's that, how it's always been. Yeah, since it was the Mercedes Championship. I, I will say that the Tour Championship, their the ratings. I mean, you can, we can go back and look at it. The ratings are not very good for the Tour Championship because it's such a small field, and the term the Century Tournament Champions, the ratings were lowest that they've been mm-hmm. in a long time. They're, They're not just, better by having three or four guys. That well, no, no, no. I think it, it should be a. Uh, uh, Limited field, 70, 70 guys, seventy-two guys. Uh, I, I think Jay's talking about expanding it. Expanding it, like this. You're talking more about shrinking it back down. You want to bring it back down? I, I think to to increase viewership, they should increase it. In and my then opinion. you need to change the name of the tournament. You sure, change sure. the format, one hundred percent. Change the name, Not but, the format, it, it, but you need to change the qualification. It's a waste of a tournament. It, it, to me, it's a silly season. It's still a silly season event. Thirty guys playing. It it's, it it's like a warm up. It it's like a. It's like a. It's like a charity event. Like like. But that's the thing. No, it's like it it's is, like giving away free that. money. It's like. But you, you earn that by winning a tour event. Sure. That's I'm okay with it. You earn that hundred thousand dollar payday by it winning a tournament. But it doesn't bring in any sponsorship dollars. Like people don't want to watch it. So why is a sponsor going then to? We need to. We need to need, turn it into a full field event. They need to turn it into a full field full event. Full field event. I don't know why the ratings are so low because it's nighttime. And they usually get a pretty good finish. Football's still on. It does, that, but football, but, football in the last 15, 10 to fifteen years has totally the these events. Oh, yeah. messed up golf. Well, and that that's not a that's not a bad point, Jay. And the only thing I'll say is that that's why looking that's back why that, on that, and this, this, is, I think this contributes to what you're talking about. Is that most players aren't used to, or most fans aren't used to watching golf at that time. They have other things that they watch, and I mean. Taking it down to the most simple form of life, we all grew up watching TGIF. We all grew up watching certain shows with our parents on Sunday night, Saturday night, whatever it was, right? And people get into those habits. Mm-hmm. You know, the time where you know, your adult male, who's the majority of the golf fan out there, four to six, I'm going to watch the back nine of the PGA that's Tour. It, that's it. They have the time to do that. They can go. They can watch the tour event. They can finish up. You can go to dinner with your family. You can go do the whole family thing. Yeah. And then afterwards, you sit down with your wife and you watch whatever show you're you're planning on watching. Yeah. If you're a decent family man. Um, <laughs> if you're a decent family man. At the end of the day, I don't know how much that contributes to it, but I can only imagine that to a certain small percentage it does. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have the time uh, availability 
to watch that because the, for the most part throughout the year, their time to watch golf is a little bit earlier on yeah. in the day. Four to six, three to five. That's when they can watch golf. That's yeah. it. And they, now you move it to seven to nine. They're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going. I've ahead. got I'm other going. responsibilities that I have to maintain. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I think no, they, I, there, there's, I there's, been a, there's been a, a ploy f- from the viewership to have the, they like the West Coast, you know, late night, but that's for the majors, like not for the century of champions. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not staying up till nine o'clock to watch this. Well, you can only sell it to your wife so often. Exactly. I deal with the U.S. Open is is at is at Riviera this year. I'm going to watch the. I'm going to watch the U.S. Open until eight thirty. My wife's amazing. God bless her. So I I love her more than life itself. But at the same time, she gets me shit all the time too. It's always something. Mm-hmm. It's always something. It's it might be March Madness or the Masters mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever it is. The same thing. Uh, Monday Night Football, whatever it is. There's always something. And I don't get that. I don't. I don't watch sports at all. So never. Yeah, not never. Never. Not never. Not, not never. never. So we gotta get to our picks. This, this show's running long. I wanted this to do. Is, I wanted to do a massive great letter. show. We're a great show. I'm, I'm just. This. We don't want to deprive. Our listeners. If it's a two-hour show, it's a two-hour yeah. show. This I, is the hundredth show. So I wanted to go on a mass whole minute about oh, an gosh. article okay. I read. Go for it. Okay. If you bring up Chick Fil A, I will tackle you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's golf related. I'll spear you. It's golf related. <laughs> it's right over. I want to bring it up. So one of the now I'm looking at the author of this article. One of the pros that was in the field of the event that I played today. So I feel slightly bad. But I'm sorry. I'm all right. I'm going to do it. Do it. I'm not going to say who wrote this article. You can easily find this out. Golf Magazine put out an article. Ten basic skills you must must be in capitalist have to be a complete golf. You must have to be a complete golfer from tee to green. I did see this, but yes, I can't wait for you to elaborate. Okay, number one, tee shot. And there's a little. There's a little. Synopsis, paragraphs, synopsis for each one of these points. But like T-Shot, a great drive sets the stage for a successful hole. Okay. There. Number two, fairway wood. Unless you're a long hitter, you'll need to be able to hit, reliably hit a fairway wood. Okay. Number three, solid iron. Number four, basic chip. Number five, basic pitch. Number six, greenside bunker shot. Number seven, Fairway bunker shot. Number eight, bad lie strategy. Number nine, lag putt. Number 10, short Short putt. These are the skills you have to be to be a complete golfer from Tita Green. No fucking shit. That's every skill in the game of golf. If you were really good at all these skills, you would not be reading this article, nor like. How dumb do you think the general population is? Thanks, Captain of the Obvious. Like and get it, I, I I think a lot of amateurs need a lot of help, and there are some basic thoughts that they don't possess or do, I, don't have. I or do, don't have the information. I do like where they were going with it, but it was too long, and I think you can condense that. Well, you li- you, you lift can't attribute that to the recreational golfer. Yeah, that's not realistic. That they're going to be successful in all those different scenarios. Yeah, it's just not realistic. Like, but that's just it's just listing off. Like, yeah, you. To, to be a good basketball player is what you need to do. You need to jump higher. You need to shoot better. You need to dribble better. You need to run faster. You need to jump high. 
Oh, okay, great, awesome. Well, why don't you yeah, just fucking no say for me, to win a basketball game, McLean, you need to score more points than the other team. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I'm going to write an article about that. That's actually great. Right. That's actually well. The, great pro- the problem is, at the end like, of the day, what, you have a bunch of doing? people at these massive media corporations that aren't golfers, and they they give the opportunity to professionals, golfers, whoever they are. And I'm not negating this person's. And I don't know who it is. I don't, I'm not negating their. No, they were probably told to write this article, article. Yeah. but without question. But you can't just say. I mean, it's like saying exactly what you just said, Mike. Yeah, you're going to be a successful football player. If you want to be a successful football player, be 6'8", 340, and run a 4'2", 40. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No shit. Oh, yeah. No so, shit. You know, in, in Mike, you know this, and McLean, you've, you've done your fair share of fittings. Like, you you, you guys have both been on the um, – I, I don't want to use the word teaching, but even fitting is teaching. You're teaching. Coaching. I've, you're I've, coaching. I've, like, you've been on the coaching side of things. You I've understand – how to communicate, but yeah, teaching, coaching, whether it's fitting, whether it's golf swing, whether it's course management, whatever it is, but you've been on that side of, of things. And we all know the the simpler your approach and your terminology, the better. And the, and the one thing um, that I, I feel like you need to have, obviously this, this article gave us 10 things to focus on, but all of all of your think of any of your favorite teachers, you know, like that you work with that you remember. Like, is was your favorite teacher the teacher that you remember the most about? Was it the teacher that was the most complicated and the most the the most in depth with their with their analysis, or was it the teacher that was the simplest? Like the teacher that I, said, well, hold you know on, what? I, 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 I get I get that. On, I got a good point here. On, focus on. I, 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 let me finish this point. Mike, the power of three. The power of three. An instruction, public speaking, uh, influencing, service industry, whatever it is, the power of three. Give give your end user three things to take away. One is not enough. Two is not enough. Three is just right. Four is too much. Too much. They can't they can't conceptually memorize four, five, six topics that you're talking about. You give them three things that hits home. Give them three topics that they need to focus on. You can dive into those after that. But if you want to teach somebody, you want to connect with somebody, give them three things that they can focus on and let them take that and, and go with it. So all real right, fast, all, all I wanted to say, all I want to say, all I wanted to say is I agree with the simple simplicity. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think this is insulting to the average golfer. I, I don't disagree with that. But the whole point I want to make is that when you look at golf coaches, you have two different types. You have a swing coach and you have a golf coach, and they're two very different people. The swing coach just wants to help you create a good golf swing and something on the range, and that's all they do. You meet them on the range once a week, and they help you try to create this technically perfect swing. But that does not translate to the scorecard, and that's why you see so many players go out there and start getting lessons and start playing worse golf. Because at the end of the day, what most people forget is that golf is about the score you write down. Yeah. And one of the biggest advantages that you have from a golf coach versus a swing coach is how they're able to affect your entire golf game. And the biggest thing that I would say comes from course management, because I could take, as all three of us could, take a 12 handicap, don't change anything from their technical aspects of their golf game, 
and just teach them how to be smarter on the golf course sure. and affect their score more yeah. than I've, you I've, can by changing the golf course. I've, I've always said if a student came to me and I had total control, that they just said, Mike, we're going to do whatever you want to do to get my score lower. I am not going to – I'm, I shouldn't say I'm not going to work on full swing, but full swing is going to be 20% of what we work on, yeah. and the rest is going to be course management, short game, short game yeah. and I'm going to save that player a ton of strokes. With now, we watching. talk on this podcast. And, hold on. Also, that player is going to enjoy his time that he spends with you more yeah. because he's able to immediately see a difference in the scorecard that he's writing down. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's much harder to change someone's physical attributes when it comes to their golf game than it is to change – the way they think about around certain situations. Absolutely. And there's so much that can be given to certain players by just teaching them how to understand as, as she eloquently put how to handle a bad lie, mm-hmm. how great. to, how to eliminate high risk shots because we all play with guys that hit a drive in a terrible location. They're trying to hit the, the absolute wonder shot to recover from when ultimately the higher percentage point is chipping out and hitting a nine iron to the green sure. where they will make a five or six at most yeah. versus, and we're talking about the average golfer mm-hmm. versus the guy that tries to hit the, the home run shot from the woods and brings seven, eight, nine into play. Yeah. And yeah. we see that way well, and then too so That's like, we talk a lot on this podcast about ball striking, ball striking, ball striking, putting just matters really to win, right? It's the top players, are the best ball strikers and they win when they putt well. Right. But that's the professional level. It's a different game. game. When it comes to the amateur level, the people that are listening to this podcast, it's way easier for them because they have full-time jobs that are not being a golf professional practicing all day, every day for them to put in the work to change their swing is going to take a lot longer than for me to work on their putting stroke. They're going to be able to replicate that and do that a lot faster. I can fix someone's chipping motion and pitching motion way faster because it's easier for them. It's a simpler motion. And I can change someone's thinking and how they see a shot and how they think about hitting a shot way easier than getting someone who's seven, eight degrees over the top to change their path 10 degrees to get them two degrees from the inside. I I, I agree with you 100%. And I I do think that that, that's important. But I I will say that there is the element – I'm sorry, the the element of the feeling of – Element. That's a new word. Politify, element. There is is the element of the the feeling of hitting a nice, solid golf shot. So that is – you know, you guys can argue this if you want, but – if I gave you a mid to long iron and I taught you how to flush it, what what's going to be more of a memorable uh, moment in your in your golfing round? The the time that you hit a really great twenty footer and lagged it up to to an inch and tapped it in, or the time you took a six iron and flushed it and hit it to twenty five feet. You know, again, well, so the, I I get I get that. That's I, the instant gratification. That, that is the instant gratification. However, and when again, you play twenty you, rounds of golf and you look at your handicap sure. and you're five shots lower, then sure. But but it, I, I understand that 100, percent and I agree. And that's the way any teacher would approach it. But you nah, also have to look at any teacher. Well, not any teacher. Any good teacher would approach it that way. Fair. But All right, any, hold, hold on, I got a point I wanted to make real quick that I think nails both of this for you. Hold on, I'm not finished with one point. <laughs> Oh, you weren't? No, I'm not. All right, well, fucking it. Any, 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 any player, any player is once that they're looking for that instant gratification. 
They want to hit, even if it's one shot around. I know it's, it's it sounds silly, but they want like I just want to be able to hit one nice iron shot. That's what's going to keep them coming yeah. back. Oh, then I'll fix, I'll fix your setup. Then I'll fix their I mean, grip and their posture and their alignment, and I'll hit, they'll hit solid. Well, sure, whatever it takes to make them hit a solid. But that's what keeps them coming back. Like if if they if they top it down the middle of the fairway and they can shoot ninety five. Uh, they're still not having fun. I know their score is telling them they're having fun, but they're not hitting a good shot. So they're not getting the experience of playing good golf. And I've seen this but over that, and but, over. But, but no, but, but good golf is shooting lower scores. That's it, what amateurs don't get. It, good golf is just about getting the ball in the hole sure, in fewer amount of shots. 100%. Absolutely. But it's about, got, the, about the, score, give them, the scorecard at the end of the day. You've got to give them but, – but, but most amateurs don't even – most of them don't even care about their, their score. Uh, no, that's incorrect. They care about – the. I get where you're going, Jay, and I don't negate the, what you're saying, but I will say this. They care about that shot, that solid contact, when they hit it in the moment. But when they post that 94 and lose they, money in the clubhouse, well, they start caring about what they're able to post and what that is. But, because but at the end of the day, of, if you um, have a guy that all of a sudden ha- has started thinking smarter and he goes out and starts taking money from his buddies, regardless of how many solid shots he hits, he's, he is now – sure. But I mean, how many? I, I, I give a lot of lessons. I, I probably give more lessons than Mike because um, that's not what he does. But I, most of my most of the players that I've give, give lessons to don't gamble. They just want to hit the I, ball I solid. They want to see the ball fly in the air, just like a kid. Like my son is my, my youngest son is six years old, and he doesn't want to play golf. And I'm like, son, why don't you want to play golf? You know, we we're, you're out there all the time, hit balls. He's got a great swing. He's like, because I can't hit the ball in the air. He doesn't. He doesn't. I, again, yeah, but you're, you're I always the that. guy that always talks about that. shooting a score. I I, I agree. I, that's the, that's, that's what I like as as a, as a, the, as a competitor. The, but but I'm just saying the short term and the long term. Yeah. I, I agree. But the Feel top, the top. I, I'd say the majority of golfers, and this is just my opinion, the majority of golfers that I see don't care as much about their score as they just want to keep up. They want to compete. They want to hit good shots. They want to stay in the game. They want to, It's a social event for them. Like, hey, I just don't want to embarrass myself. I don't care about whether I shoot 95. I I, I, there's, there's a blend. There's a blend. You get a so, lot of players that want to break 90. You got a lot of players that want to break 80. That's a big they do. They, they do like They do like the numbers. I 100% agree. But – the better, again, the better they hit it, the numbers are going to the numbers are going to drop and at that not level. Not necessarily. At that level, at not that, necessarily. Yes, at that level, at the level if that we're talking. If you're still about, thinking dumb, you can hit great shots in bad places, and you can hit it solid thirty yards offline. Sure. No, no, I'm not. I'm not and then you can that, flub your chip in three putt. Hundred percent. But, but if they're playing at that that 15, 20, 25 handicap range, and they're able to hit the ball solid, their scores are going to drop much quicker. Than us working on short game. If they can't get the ball to the hole, mm. if they can't get the ball to the green, chipping doesn't matter. They've got to be able what's to easier, drive. What's easier for them to fix? Player, their full swing or their chipping motion? Is, uh, it's it's way easier to fix chipping it. motion, but that is that going to affect their game? But look, that player that's just happy to hit solid that hit the fucking green anyway. You know what I'm saying? But the player that's happy to hit it solid is not someone who's hitting the green that often. And without a short game, he's still going to continuously post nines on par fours because he can he can hit the ball. 400 yards and two shots, but he cannot get up and down and can't putt for shit. I'd we much, see those players all the time. I'd much rather take my chances with a 20 handicap who can hit a drive 250 yards 100%. and an iron shot 150 100%. yards and then chili dip it three times has, and make a double 
than the person who tops it off the tee. Okay. They're going to, they're okay. picking up every hole. Okay. But at the same time, let's just say it is that guy and you're able to get him to start hitting the ball 400 yards in two shots. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Where do you go next? Sure. I mean, there's no, there's no question. You know the progression saying, you know? is to go to the short game, but as I, I'm just saying the, the majority of players, uh, majority of the players that play golf are not at that high end level. You know, you can do you can do the math. Oh, the Most players, players can't play break hundred. I'd yeah, say seventy five percent of players can't break hundred. What's the quickest way to get them to break hundred? Be able to hit the ball with their driver in the fairway and hit the hit their iron shots close to the green. It's not chipping and putting. I, I, that's the next step, in my opinion. That's the that's the trying to get to a single digit handicap. You want to be a really good player. You need to be able to chip and putt. I think my, the, the players that I work with. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The players that I work with that shoot 120, I don't need to go work on chipping and putting. They need to learn to hit the golf ball in the air, and they need to be able to move the ball off the tee and then hit the ball off the ground close to the green. The chipping, it that for that skill set, they can use any club around the green. I use the putter. Get it on the green and three putt. You're better off doing that. Like if I stand there and work on chipping with you and you can't get the ball off the, uh, off the tee and you can't hit it off the ground – chipping doesn't matter. Like you're, it's going to take you eight shots to get to the green. Doesn't matter. They've got to be able to get the ball up to the green. You know right. I'm right, Mikey. No, you know no, right. no, no, I don't oh, think no, you're right. I disagree with right. you. Know we're I'm talking right. about no, I, would, I would say you're right. I, we're, I don't talking about I different, we're talking about different players entirely, though. We're talking about different players entirely because what you're talking about is someone who you're is – You're talking uh, about beginners. You're talking about the 100-plus players. I'm talking about the majority of golfers who play golf. But we're talking about – Taking someone who's very interested, been playing for a while, and they're looking to they're looking to progress. Sure, sure. I also think working on a forty yard. Been, well, but you have a bunch of players that have been playing for five, ten years now, and they can't break ninety because they don't have the mind that allows them. They don't see the ball, and they see. Sure, the if you're trying to get them, to, if you're that. trying to get them to shoot into, if you're dealing with a beginner, and, if you're dealing with a beginner, and, the way you're talking about, I totally agree with you. If you can't yeah. get the ball. You can advance the ball. You're having you're going to have a hard time ever scoring. I totally, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. The one thing I will say is that if we look at you know guys that we're trying to get to that next level, your avid golfer, I would I would say probably fits the majority of our listeners that are probably that you know ten to twenty handicap. They're trying to get to that next level. A lot of it comes down to course management and short game. Sure, uh, I, but just to, to re revert back, go ahead. We, what we were talking about was what is going to make people what makes people enjoy the game. And we said I talked score. about I talked about lowering people's you score. You said lowering. I started scores. from this whole conversation that if I'm going to lower exactly. someone's score, I got you. And I, and I, I wasn't the, talking about lowering score. I was talking about enjoying the game. Tries to do should for the be. most part sure. should be to try and help lower. Well, the score. I, I I shouldn't say should be. It depends on what the sure. individual players' goals are and where they are but ability level. What I wanted to say earlier was if I can work on someone's 40 yard pitch shot motion, I guarantee you it's going to help your full swing. Oh, it's going to sure. I agree with that. One hundred percent. So the only thing I will say, the point I was trying to make, and it is this is related and not related at the same time. I, I, I there was a, I say kid now as a man. Uh, when I was in Charleston, I worked with. Uh, I didn't say I really worked with him. Just became a, a buddy of mine. I played a lot of golf with, and he was going up to try and play college golf. And during his senior year, I told him he's a left-handed player, and he had the left-handed disease of just an absolute great golf swing. Yeah. And I told him straight up, I was like, buddy. You know how to hit a ball as good as anyone, but you don't know how to play golf. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was dumbfounded. He was like, I don't know what you mean by that. 
And about a year into his first year in college, he called me. He said, I get it. Yeah. I finally get it. Yeah. Because he could advance a ball as good as anyone, but he didn't know how to play golf. And what I mean by that is he didn't know how to score. Yeah. And I'll never forget one day we were on the 18th hole at the club that we were both members at. And he had a lie in the rough and he's trying to pull this pitching wedge and just absolutely manhandle it. And I'm like, no, you have a bad line of the rough, take a little soft nine and hit it up there. And he did it. And he turned around to me with this aha moment. On yeah. the oh my God, that worked. <clears throat> and it just came down to the course management of understanding what situation, what your most likely scenario of how that ball is going to come out of the turf gives you the highest chance of success. Sure. And that's where I think for a lot of players, especially there's a lot of good juniors out there that have this disease where they can advance a ball. You watch them hit seven irons on a range. You're yeah. like, wow, this kid's unbelievable. But yet you go watch him play golf and he can't post anything less than 75. And you're like, this just doesn't make sense. So you play with them and you see yeah. some of the decisions that they make. And yeah. I think that's where you can take a player like that, for example, which is a totally different player than you were talking about. Yeah, that's, a, that's totally an elite different level player. player. Yeah, totally that's a different, different, yeah, different, different, different level. That's what I'm talking about. But at yeah. the same time, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of players out there. And this, this can attribute to a lot of, you know, lower level players is that ultimately at the end of the day, you may be able to advance the ball and you do have the ability to advance the ball to the best of your ability. But if you're not thinking correctly, you don't have the knowledge to understand what can happen in certain situations. You will never post your potential when it comes to score. How about this? Let's sum this up with there's different ways to go about it. Trey has his way. I have my way. Both, both will, sure. both will get lower scores. Yeah, no. Apparently, I, 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 I don't I, have my way. No, no I think. I mean, I'm, sure. I mean, there's, there's all, there's, uh, there's lots of ways to lower scores depending on the, the, the handicap and the, the, the skill set. Sure. And we're, um, we're trying and, to make, we're trying to make blanket statements, which is yeah. Hard no, to I think, I think we're, we're going a different way. Different I mean, you, you're, you're. I, I think you're looking at maybe a more advanced player. You know how? No, how even a guy how, who shoots 95. I can. There's different levels. You know, you take a player like, hey, I, I can hit my driver pretty well, and I'm, I mean, hit right. my irons okay, but I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing shots. Okay, let's work on course management. Let's work on short game. 100. So but I, I'm just saying, for the grand scheme of things, when you when you take any player that's learning how to play golf. Like if, if you want them to keep playing golf and you want them to enjoy golf, that's that's the point I was trying to make, which may be a different point than you. They're, they yeah, uh, they don't care. They don't care how they chip the ball. They don't care how they putt the ball. They want to be able to hit the yeah, ball. Yeah, and solid. that's not what I, sure. I started this yeah. whole conversation with lowering scores. You're talking about in, in just enjoy, and I, and enjoyment do, from a well, pure beginner. Enjoyment, but I do think from a pure beginner, a pure beginner, you have to teach them how to hit the ball off the tee. And Correct. I'll find. I'll, I will give you. I will give you that, that on a pure beginner. But if you talk yeah. about but if it's someone who's had score quickly, for someone who's yes. a mid-level golfer, sure. I mean, the we quickest have to, way we have you can influence set that those score parameters, is course yeah. management, and short game. It, but it all depends on what you're, what you're talking about. Now, I agree. Uh, the same thing with with you know if we go even further, if we go to an elite amateur or high-level amateur, like. You chipping and putting better is not going to make you shoot sixty six. It's not. Well, no, and I, I, I again, and so, I said that. I so said that, that at the beginning that, too. You, you're looking at a tight window. No, but of, I said that at the beginning player. as well. The, uh, uh, I said professional golf's different situation. Professional golf, a high, uh, high handicap high. golf. So you're looking at begin. You're looking at a specific, which is window. probably the large swath of. I don't know if it is the large swath. You know, I think I think there's majority of golfers shoot over a hundred. And if we can get them to hit the ball off All the All right, team so how about this? I'm going to change this, the green, change this to, I think the scores go lower to quicker. average golfer. Because the, the window that I'm talking about, uh, a 
You're talking uh, a 75 to 85 uh, shooter. Uh, uh, no, I'm talking I'm talking 75 to 100. That's a pretty large window. A uh, 75 to 105. I, those guys play a lot of number of rounds of golf. I'd say I wouldn't I wouldn't even go to 105. I would say 75 to 90. I can get a 105 shooter without working on their full swing under 100. 105 shooter to under 100? Under 100 without working on their sure, full swing. Sure, but can you get a 105 shooter to under 90 if they can learn how to hit a driver? And the no, iron but I'm talking about dropping, like I said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning, dropping the quickest amount of shots possible as fast as possible. I, I, well, that's that's a different story. Like if you want to be able to. But that's what, how I started this whole fucking thing. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at dropping the most shots. The, the most shots that we can possibly drop. All right, all right. It's let's, gonna be, let's move on. It's gonna let's be, move on. Oh, the, it's Mikey's not no, happy like, with we're, the we're, comment. Let's no, we're going around in circles is what we're doing. What? We're going around in circles. Well, you're not listening to anyone else's point of view. No, I did listen to your point of view. <sighs> I'm born a bourbon. I'm going around in circles. Going around in circles. Let's get to our picks. We're two hours in. And I have editing to do after this. Oh, this is a great show. This is a great show. We're nailing this. Yeah. Nailing it. All right. So we're done. That article sucked. There's different ways to lower scores. Hit your driver straight. Hit your irons close to And then spend eight hours a day working on your full swing. Yep. If you're a good Quick, teacher. I'm that. I just want to say one thing. If you have an opportunity, this is for all our listeners out there. If you have an opportunity to go practice, spend equal amount of time at the range, the chipping green, and the putting green. If you have an hour, spend 20, 20, 20. If you have three hours, spend an hour, an hour, an hour. Do that. It is so frustrating to go out and play with someone that can advance the ball, as we were just talking about, 400 to 500 yards in two or three shots. And once they get around the green, if they don't hit the green, they cannot make less than par. It it just is – the equation is – out mm-hmm. of the equation. Out sure. of the question. Entirely. Once they get to that level, then 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 you have to start re refocusing what your time. Well, is. My, I would say from anyone from a beginner to the highest level golfer there is, golf is a complete game. Mm-hmm. You cannot win it by only swinging a golf club. You can't win it by only chipping well. You can't win it by sure. only putting well. Yeah. But you have to develop your game in the same sort of time frame. Because we see so many players out there, and I think all of us would agree with this. We play with guys all the time that can hit a ball 250 or 60 yards off the tee. They can hit a long iron 180 yards. Mm -hmm. But if you get them around the greens, they absolutely, if they miss the green, it's over. And even if they hit the green, they're not going to one putt. It's one or two putt. Because they never, they they spend all their time on the range. The only thing that I would try to tell to any golfer out there, I don't care what skill level you are, Divide your practice time up evenly between putting, chipping, a third, a third, and hitting a third. golf balls. And that's where you will find yourself progressing your entire game much quicker. And you'll see your handicap lower much faster because you're not going to put yourself in unfamiliar situations because you hadn't put, you know, in, in a week and a half because you weren't able to play and you went out and you hit balls nine times over that week and a half. But you never went to the chipping green. You never went to the putting green. You never gave your the rest of your game, the yeah. ability or the even the, the chance to improve. So that would be my one takeaway from all of this at as deep as we got into this, I would just say, go out there and divide your time up equally between those three parts of the game. And you will see the entirety of your game progress at the same speed. Yeah. Um, well yeah. said. It depends on the, depends on the Thank level, you. depends on the level of golf and where you are. I mean, I, 
I, I agree with you that you need balance, but I think there are certain players, certain levels that need different. They need to spend more time in certain areas. Like I said, if you are a higher handicap player and you, you it takes you eight shots to get to the green, you working in your short game, it's not going to make you a better player. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not disputing what you're saying. I think you're right with the balance. But again, it depends on where you are in your golf game in terms of how you how do you, how you differentiate and how you spread that time out. You know, for, for me, when I was practicing as a professional, I was working on pitching, chipping. I was trying to in wedge play, like, how am I going to make my wedges close to the green? But Again, that doesn't, but, that doesn't translate to the average no, golfer. No, it doesn't. But an average golfer, it, you say average golfer. What is the average golfer? You know, uh, what, what's the, what's, the I'm not going to classify a golfer, but even if the person takes eight shots to get to the green, if I can then. If it takes you another eight, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. If I can then have you two putt instead of three putt, you've lowered your scores. Sure. But I could, if I can teach you how to hit the ball off the tee correctly, I can save you four shots. You know this. No. You know based okay, on strokes you're, game putting. You're, you're go talking, back through you're the whole talking. list. I don't care if it's pros. The amount of strokes that you can gain putting and chipping are much less than the strokes that you can gain from tee to green. We know this. This is okay. not. This is. And what's easier to improve? Uh, what's easier to improve? Okay, it's easier to improve putting by, mm -hmm. what, 0.25 shots? But if I'm a good teacher and I can get them to improve one shot around, what's the what's the greater value? I get what you're saying from I get it, but I still I still I still hold my you're talking about like the ultra beginner. I, no, I'm saying all, all all the way through, all the way through. If I can get you to hit the ball better, it all I mean the stats are there. You've you've seen the stats. If I can get you I to know, be a better ball striker, T to green, you can increase your strokes gain, whatever your whatever your 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 skill set is, you can increase faster than you can. And we're going then, in circles again. No, we're not. We, we no, we're not. going in circles we, again. We have pretty, activated the veins in Jay's. We're going pretty, in circles again. Pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Like the, the margin for error in chipping and putting is much smaller than it is for margin error in strokes gain T to green. If I can be a, if you can be a better teacher and teach your student to gain or hit hit the ball better off the tee, and and I'm not saying it's easier. I'm just saying if you're a good teacher and you can teach them how to hit the ball better off the tee and better iron. Play, I like this. Is, you, I think this is like a personal shot at me. I think he's you, calling me a bad teacher. No, not at all. Not at all. Not, I'm not, not, would not say that at you all. You should definitely take it personally. I wouldn't, I'm not saying that. Mike's a great teacher. I'm just saying, you take again, how are we going to improve uh, the student th 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 with the greatest majority? And it's teaching them how to hit the ball off the tee and hit the ball in the green. You can be a very below average chipper and putter, and you're still going to shoot good scores if you're good off the tee and good into the green. Right. We've went in circles six times. Yeah, Jay, so. put those veins up. I don't think we went in circles. We're going to move. I think we went in circles short. six yeah. times. I like where you're at, though. All right, I'm let's get fan. to our picks. Big fan. Uh, we're two hours in. It's, it's 11 o'clock at night. I still have to edit this thing. Is um, we still got to go to the bar and eat dinner. Yeah. No, you guys can go get me dinner while I edit. Yeah. So let's get to our picks. Tory Pines. A Wednesday through Saturday event. Why is it Wednesday through Saturday? Because they want to avoid something? the NFL. Football, man. I'm Football. assuming. Because the conference yeah, championship that game's that on makes, Sunday. That makes Football's they did it last year for the first time. They're doing it again this year. So, uh, last week, I won. Uh, McLean came in second. Jay came in third. Awesome. McLean still has the season-long lead at 43 points. You guys are picking up on it, though. I have crept into second at 33. Jay is at 30. 
Who wants to go first? I'm ready. I've got the team here. Okay. All right. Number one, Southern California boy, Mr. Double Eagle himself, Sander Schauffele. Mm. Albert, Albert Tross. Or Albert Tross. Moving down from there, another guy who's played well here. Um, I expect him to play well again this week. One of the best players in the world, Mr. Will Zalatoris. Mm. Uh, moving down from there, I have Luke List at $8,000. winner. I like him here this week. I really like him here this week. Um, moving down from there, it's going to come to no surprise by anyone who listens to this podcast, a guy who has played well here many times. You've taken him a while. Mr. Ryan. Ball. Wow. Let's you haven't go. taken him in forever. RP. Let's fucking go. God, it's been like six months since you've taken him. Look, look, I'm back on the saddle. He's he's – He's in for the remainder of the season. No, he's, he's just going to be – you're right, but we're going. Uh, moving down from there, a uh, guy who made his way onto the power rankings this week. I'm not totally oh. familiar with, but I, I've recognized I the name. I watched, some, I watched some good playing. He did finish sixth at the Amex this past week. Had a weekend of 65-66. Mr. Robbie Shelton. Mm-hmm. Um, moving slightly south of that, I do have – uh, with my follow-up pick, my last pick, friend of the pod, Mr. Lonto Griffin. He's back off of injury, yeah. had back surgery. Injury. I had him in the lineup for a little bit, and I just – He's was, played well here. He's played well here. I wasn't sure he'd do in the first, first, well, first PJ I, Tour event. I think he's going to be pumped years. to be back. I get where all of the questioning comes in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ride that pony. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be back. I think he's happy to be back. He's at a place where he's had some success – previously um he has a game that really matches up this venue and i think ultimately he's going to be a good pick he played did he play corn ferry last week as a tune-up yeah the yeah. bermuda down in bahamas bahamas yeah t66 so Ooh, third round 81 last week good. that's not that's, great with the wind down there hang on, hang on let me re- let me reevaluate that bit. but that was his um, that was his get the rust off of that yeah all right, I'll I'll roll through mine. Um, little backstory: looking at the weather, should be some pretty pretty intense weather on uh, Friday. Some 25, 30 mile an hour gusts. Um, so my opinion on this is the the guys playing the south course during all the wind. It's a hard golf course. That's the that's the championship golf course. They're going to shoot closer to the same numbers that they would shoot um in a, in a nice day because it's a hard golf course regardless they're not going to get it as close at all so i feel like if you're playing the north course on friday you're going to be a disadvantage so i'm picking guys majority of my guys are um and you went deep majority of my guys are going to be playing the north course on thursday the easier golf course so they have uh calm conditions they can make make some birdies they're going to play the south course on Friday, where the wind is going to be up again. It, it may it may be a little tougher, but again, the tougher the golf course, the better the player. You're going to sh- your margins get closer, so they're going to shoot closer to the same number they would shoot on a tough golf course in tough conditions as they would uh, on a tough golf course in great conditions. So I feel like they have a way to differentiate themselves by playing the north course on Thursday. So. With that being said, I'm going to roll through my list uh, for McLean's sake. Uh, at seven, <laughs> at seven thousand, Joe Bramlett, member of the oh. pod. He's a baller. He's on the list. 
Mr. Smalley, 7,700, been playing some really good golf, as you guys all can see. He's a contender for Rookie of the Year with uh, Mr. Montgomery. Uh, then I moved to Scott Stallings, past champion, loves it out here. He's been playing some great golf as of late. Then I go to Mr. Jason Day, past champ, playing good golf, 8,800. Max Homa, 9,100, uh, loves Cali. It is what it is. And my winner uh, this week, coming off of a back back issue and a warm-up last week, this course is tailor-made for this guy. It's a premium on ball striking, which we've talked about earlier in this pod. He's a very average, below-average putter, but he's a household name. Everyone knows him, uh, Mr. Will Zalatoris. He's your, he's your champion. He's your winner. Uh, okay. The Farmers Insurance Man, Open. I, hey, I would love to watch him hit a couple of yippee four-footers coming down the stretch yeah, on Sunday. He, you know what's funny is he makes them. They look yippee. Sometimes. They go in. Sometimes. They go in. All right. Um, I have a two of the same guys, one with each of you. So I'll start at the bottom. Matty Schmid. German zone. I like that guy. Seven thousand dollars. Like his name, but I do like. Him. I, just, I, don't know, I don't know the guy. He just finished top ten last week at the Amex. I think his game fits here. I like him. Then I go up to uh, Will Gordon. Mm-hmm. Keep, had him in. Had him in the lineup. Keep an bit. eye on this name. Um, Seventy-four hundred dollars. He hits it a mile, which mm-hmm. you're going to need at Tory playing three rounds on the South Course. Didn't play great last week. Um, missed the cut, but. I just I think his game fits here, and I like the price tag at seventy four hundred dollars. You're going to see his name a lot uh, this year on on PJ Tour. Then I go up to my man, who I'm starting to pick a bunch, Thomas Dietrich. I think he can play any golf course well. Hits it a long way. Seventy six hundred dollars. Had a solid finish um, past week at, at Amex again, and he was one of my star breakouts on the year. So I'm going to go with Thomas Dietrich. Then I will go up to JJ Spahn has been playing awesome. Not the greatest course fit in the world for JJ, but has been playing really, really solid. $8,800, or sorry, $8,500. So I like him this week to play well. And then these last two names you have heard, $9,100, Max Homa, Southern Cal guy, just hits it straight, hits it solid. On a tough uh, course at Tour, you're going to need that. And then ten thousand three hundred dollars, Mr. Albatross himself, Shoffley, Xander, Shoffley, back seems to be good after a nice solid week at the Amex, and I think Xander wins this week. <sighs> Xander. So there we go. There's episode one hundred in the, in books. the books. I'm sure Jay and I will continue our argument here in a minute once I hit. Stop on the record button. <laughs> I love I'll, to keep, I'll be here to ref, guys. I love to keep this up, guys. This is great. Guys. I'm a good debate. The great debate. Dive into some barbecue chicken dip that we got, or whatever the hell that was. I'm yeah. eat that Buffalo up. chicken dip. Buffalo chicken dip. Thank you to the wonderful people at Publix. Yeah, for we're going to get facilitating our food and beverage. We're going to pop that in the oven right now as I edit this. And gents, anything else? Hey man, I'm. I'm uh, this was awesome. I will say that 100 episodes. I would never have believed that we would. 100 episodes, about 98, 98 arguments. I mean, this is great. I mean, it's no, it is. It's, Way more than 98, Mike. Yeah, we got <laughs> multiple. We got minimal yeah. of two a night. Yeah. I mean, this is this is fun. Like 
like I said, it, it, this, this has reclaimed my love for, you know, golf, just golf, golf in general, world golf. Like, what's going on in the world of golf? I mean, I for 15 years, 20 years of my life, every time I, every second that I woke up, it was Golf Central or yeah. something, or checking my phone to see what was going on in the world of golf. And, and this is kind of, you know, brought me back to that, which I definitely love in a different, in a different avenue. Yep. But it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and we'll, uh, a pleasure to do it with you. Excited boys. to keep doing it. That's a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, even though we argue, we still, love 100%, we still love each other. 100th episode. Let's fucking go. 100, 100 more. And maybe we'll start making some money at some point. I mean, there's a good possibility. There's a chance. We if we get off our asses and something really lazy. We'd really have to dry harder. We'd really have to dry harder. Well, we're not trying at all right now. So <laughs> well, let's go. And then I no mean, one's listening. I put a lot of effort in this. <laughs> put a lot of effort in this. All right. Gents, let's cheers, cheers in person. Cheers. Bourbon. 100. Everyone, pinkies up, bitches. Pinkies up. Pinkies up, bitches. Cheers. Thank you.